0: So, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, although I'm boiling right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: what is it out well, there? I'm doing really well.
0: It's about 30-odd degrees, isn't it? Are we at 30 today?
1: Yeah. <sighs> uh, well, it feels like more like 40 as far as I'm concerned. I'm y- boiling.
0: Yeah, I- I'm stuck in my little home <laughs> office and I've got blackout curtains on there and then I've got like a great big studio light here and it's just... It just cooks you. (laughs) But oh well, never mind. (laughs) Right, folks, this is Vanessa. Vanessa Ruck, also known as The Girl on a Bike. If you follow her on Instagram, uh, YouTube, and I think you're on just about every social media platform going, aren't you? Yeah, and Facebook. Oh, and Facebook as well, yeah. So and for
1: Facebook, yeah. There'll be
0: some links uh, in the podcast description, and if you're watching the video in the description of the vid, I'll put all Vanessa's uh, social links and everything like that, the website, it'll all be down there. So make sure you check out um, all that and give her a follow, subscribe, all the rest of it. Right, well, thank you very much for coming <laughs> on, Vanessa. Cheers for that. We've got lots to Absolutely talk about. a I'm honoured. Oh, don't be daft. No, no, God, I mean, you're an interesting person. You've got a hell of a story to tell as well, so um, I'm sure it's it's going to be an entertaining couple of hours, maybe. First off, what's your tipple of choice?
1: I'm on a gin
0: and tonic. What, you wait! like a pint of it. Good effort. Well, slang, cheers to yeah. you. Yeah,
1: well, I figured we'll be here for a while. Lots of ice.
0: <laughs> You've got to keep hydrated, obviously. Cheers.
1: Exactly. Safety first, so Cheers. Mm. <laughs>
0: Right, well um, we've got loads of questions. Um, I posted questions up onto the various social media platforms and people have responded so there's plenty of us, uh, plenty for us to crack on with but first off, for anyone that doesn't know you, hasn't been following your story, I'll hand it over to you, just uh, who are you, what do you do, where would you come from?
1: yeah perfect okay so i'm just a girl from oxfordshire in england and i'm no one famous as far as you know a professional athlete a rich dad a movie star or anything like that the girl on a bike actually came about after a pretty horrific life-changing accident back in 2014 Mm And through my journey back to recovery, both physical and mental, in terms of that journey, I have discovered motorbikes. And now I'm pretty sure it runs in my veins. And I'm a little bit obsessed with bikes, everything to do with them. Uh, And so the girl on a bike has kind of grown and morphed and it turns out sort of the energy that I put out through my love for bikes um, seems to be enjoyed by other people. And I share what I do as the girl on a bike, really.
0: Yeah, you are probably, I would say, the most positive person I've met. You are a bundle of positivity, a bundle of optimism, and it and it really is refreshing and it's a joy to be around. And I know for a fact a lot of people, uh, before you actually agreed to come on here, a lot of people contacted me and said, do you follow the girl on a bike? I think she'd make a great guests got lots to chat about and everyone loves the positivity so um keep doing what you're doing it it obviously it obviously impacts on a lot of people right
1: that means a lot to me
0: thank you oh no problem no worries you know what i mean you you, you're all you're very active on your social media and it's always such a positive message it it is and it and it obviously helps a lot of people out there so so keep doing what you're doing there's way too much negativity in the world isn't there
1: yeah, there is. I think the key for me there is that so often when you go on social media, it can actually be quite toxic because everything is perfect and you've got these shiny squares and actually, you know, life isn't always perfect. Yeah. And that's something that I am really want to share is that not every day is amazing and life does throw battles and kick us curveballs, but actually facing anything with a smile, it's going to be easier. So putting out re- real life, I guess, is what my goal is. Know, yes.
0: showing ups and the downs yeah definitely, definitely, yeah um, totally agree with you there about social media. I think social media can be such a fantastic positive medium uh, and and vehicle for you to 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 make change to interact with people, to have positive impacts on people, but it can also be as you said mm. horrendous the polar opposite of what it, it definitely should be. Uh, there's a couple of platforms yeah. that I just I almost steer well, like Twitter. I find Twitter really talks, especially at the moment, and I I very rarely on there anymore. Reddit Reddit can be a nightmare. Can be really good, but yeah, I, I sort of there's a few I just steer clear of, to be honest. <laughs> right, um, how about we crack on with some questions and just see where it takes us? How about that? that sounds fantastic awesome right first off we'll we'll go to Patreon the only time I'll mention it folks patreon.com forward slash teapot1 <laughs> massive thanks to all of you in the clan over there you've uh, you certainly stepped up to the mark quite a few questions here first one Ollie Rye uh, he says fantastic I've recently started following Vanessa's channel couple of questions first one what's the first thing you want to do once you're fully recovered
1: oof Oh, gosh, that's a big question. I think I'm going to struggle to answer that in a direct... I'm not wanting to be a politician, (laughs) but a full recovery is a journey. Mm. And there's lots of things that are going to give me a lot of pleasure in a progressive way. So it's not about running a marathon straight away. Recovery isn't like that. And if you set expectations of coming out of major hip surgery and going in with a marathon is the first thing that's going to tick your box, you're not going to have very positive energy because you've you've got to set achievable goals. And each day, give yourself something that's going to make you go, yes! Like, I made it to the toilet on my own. I didn't wee on myself in a (laughs) bedpan. I put my own socks on. Yeah, I'm terrible with bedpans. I probably shouldn't tell the world that. But they're awful. You know, setting yourself little steps and goals. So I think, you know, the big goal... The ultimate recovery for me is going to be competing at Red Bull Romaniacs, which I was meant to be doing in July. Yeah. COVID has, you know, set that aside anyway. But for 2021, competing Red Bull Romaniacs, Hard duro is my, you know, that's what I'm really working towards yep. right now. But that's not my goal that's keeping me going today because you've got to have little goals as such. So, You know, going out for a cycle on my road bike will be a big achievement. Uh, Getting out and going just gentle green laning on my Husqvarna, that's going to feel amazing. So there's little steps towards those big goals, and I think that's quite important when you're battling recovery, Mm -hmm. is to remember that little steps and little bits of a smile add up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Baby steps, finish the marathon. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. But you must have... There must be one thing in your head that you're thinking, oh that. I want I want I want to get to do that. What would you say that is do you think that's green laning? Just your first bit of gentle green laning.
1: Um Going to Wundoey Quarry in North Wales.
0: Yeah. Blimey,
1: that's it.
0: We are polar opposites. I love it there. You, you, you've, you've, you've <laughs> seen my attempt at off-roading down in Spain. It's just, I just don't think it's my thing. I really don't. But uh, yeah, you, you seem to gel with it absolutely. Um, good question, Ollie. Second part for both of us. If you could only eat one type of meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Blimey, one meal for the rest that's of your quite life. Easy for me. Go on in.
1: It's going to be a really nice steak on the barbecue with yep. some homemade chips, some asparagus, and some sweet corn, like corn on cob.
0: Asparagus?
1: Yeah, I like. I don't know it came to mind
0: with the steak with sweet corn chips it's a nice compromise. you've got a bit of
1: color and variation you've got some good protein right okay I get that asparagus was I too specific
0: no no not at all but asparagus just doesn't come to my mind at all I just think makes you wee smell that's all I think Um
1: That's true. I we are we concerned that we've mentioned we twice already. Ah no problem. It sets a
0: tone. <laughs> sets a tone as to where this conversation's going. Won't worry about it. <laughs> You'll fit in well with my lot, don't worry. Um steak, yeah. Perfect. I agree with you there, steak. I think I could probably live on steak for the rest of my life. Um corn, yes. Asparagus probably wouldn't be there. But yeah. it'll be steak, <laughs> steak, home cooked chips, onion rings. Probably peas, mushrooms, bit of
1: gravy. That'll do me. I could live on that for the rest of my life. Onion rings. You've blown it out of the water with onion rings.
0: We're both starving now, aren't we? Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm going
0: to start eating my ice cubes. Uh, Oh, I've just seen who the next question is. If you've seen any of these before, you might recognise this name, Pete English. He's got a little bit of a reputation. So Pete's asking, question one. What year are you hoping to do the Dakar and do you know where it'll be held as next year it's hopefully going ahead in Saudi?
1: Oh my. I, I don't know. It's something that I really would love and I'm wanting to work towards. Yep. But I have to be realistic with my body and At this point of time, having just had my seventh surgery after being hit by a car, I don't actually know if my body would be able to. There's, you know, there's mental strength and there's, you know, fitness and training. But actually, mechanically, that might be my my blocker, which is quite devastating to think about. But again, you have to be realistic and set goals. And I don't want to write my body off for the next... 50 years mm-hmm. for the sake of one event, yep. which would be absolutely the most amazing thing you could possibly experience But us. So I'm still, you know, my eyes, my eyes are on that on the horizon, that's for sure. I think realistically, time-wise, asking that question, a three or four year from now goal is probably the most realistic, given yep. I'm two and a half weeks post hip surgery right now. <laughs> And
0: in that time, you you know you, you'll do you'll do progressively more and more strenuous activity, and then you'll start entering competitions, and you'll do higher and higher levels of competition, and you'll be able to gauge yourself, won't you? Realistically, what what are the prospects, and when yeah. to go? Oh, good, that'll be exciting! Wow, yeah, yeah see you doing that. I had um, I had Dario on Daru Leonetti last week. He's the the cameraman and editor for Lyndon Poskett for the Eco Race and the Last Dakar that they did and uh, that was really Amazing. interesting. Yeah, I was really interesting chatting with Dario and hearing the sort of behind the scenes stories. I'm hoping to get Lyndon on, actually, if all going well. I, I should be getting him on for a chat as well. So that'd be great to chat about, Well, to chat with someone that's actually done the Dakar as well and, and hear about
1: it. Yeah,
0: um, mentioned. awesome. You mentioned your accident there. Um, I, I kind of assumed that people will ask about that and the questions, which is why I didn't really cover it in the, the intro, but probably uh, I reckon what we'll do after Pete's next question we'll cover we'll cover that just in case nobody asks about it because it's it's obviously fundamental to who you are as a person now and the journey you've been on
2: yeah
0: so Pete's second question yeah. what's the most spontaneous thing you've ever
1: done oh my goodness most spontaneous thing I've ever done um That's a really hard question. <laughs> I mean, the, the fir- I think the first thing that jumps to my mind, I don't know if it counts as all that spontaneous, but it was life-changing as a decision, was I was bedbound after a hip surgery, mm-hmm. and I woke up in the morning, and to this day, I don't know where it came from. I rolled over to my husband, and I said, he's going to get a dirt bike. I have no idea where the inspiration came from. At that time, I had, you know, the Harley-Davidson road bike, yeah. and I had done no off-roading as such. Seriously. And I, yeah, we, we decided that, okay, let's do it. And we went out and we did some research, worked out what was the best first off-road bike, found one, went and bought it. We were lucky that we found a pretty good condition old uh, Yamaha, mm-hmm. and we got it. And I then had it. It was five months that I could even sit on it, but I had it and it was a goal and it was something I worked towards. And that decision that I just was lying in bed, I woke up in the morning and went, I want a dirt bike. And I wouldn't be here now with with the, you know, the love for Endura if I hadn't had that moment. Yeah. So I think that's probably, I don't know if that counts as spontaneous.
0: Gotcha, yeah, just a bit. I mean, was uh so you'd had no experience off-roading before? It just popped in your head?
1: So... No, well, I'd technically ridden a uh, kind of a wannabe Honda off-road bike um, right. how many years before. Back, it was back when I lived in the Bahamas when I was 21. Um, and since then, I mean, there were years before I had motorbikes until after the accident. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, no, there were no motorbikes as far as off-roading in my world at all.
0: Blimey. So, come on then, let's, let's cover this. What What was the accident? What, what happened?
1: Yeah. Okay. So um, probably worth saying a little bit about what life was like before the accident, because it sort of sets the scene a little bit. I was definitely adrenaline junkie. I lived for physical activity, pushing my body and feeling that kind of bird of endorphins of doing extreme sports. Kite surfing was my main sport. I lived for it. I was a team rider for a brand. We All of our holidays were snowboarding, kitesurfing, snow kiting, rock climbing, mountain biking. Everything was sports. My normal week, I'd commute to work 16 miles a day. I'd gym three or four days in my lunch break. Summer evenings, we'd wakeboard after work. Weekends, we'd chase the wind and go kite surfing. If there was no wind, we'd rock climb mountain bikes. You get the picture. It was all...
0: Sounds horrific. Horrific.
1: (laughs) You made me laugh. (laughs) It was amazing to me. And and me. And me. God, I'd love to. (laughs) But that all changed in a single moment. So March 2014, it was a really normal Tuesday. I jumped on my road bike cycling home and I was actually on the way to the wakeboarding lake to meet my husband. Had some friends for some wakeboarding, barbecue, and I was about a mile down the road coming out of Oxford. And a car coming out of the other way decided not to stop at their red light and cut straight across in front of me. Oh. Uh, and I had nowhere to go. It went straight across in front of me and boom, right into the side of the car. And that moment changed the world as I knew it. It really did. At the time, I didn't really know the full extent of my injuries. Mm. I, you know, I had to be helped off the road and the ambulance came. But I was sent home to the hospital that evening with bruising. I'm now six and a half years on. I'm two and a half weeks post my seventh surgery. And I have a reconstructed right shoulder and right hip. And I got sent home with bruising. So it's it's been a journey but if i had a magic wand and i could go back to two minutes before that accident and make it not happen i wouldn't change a thing Mm. because i'm where i am now i have learned so much since the accident i'm stronger i have a better grounding of what i care about what's important what's worth fighting for what's worth getting upset about who the real friends are there's so many things that have come out of the journey that that moment in my life gave yeah that i'm actually somehow in some weird maybe slightly twisted way grateful for it Uh, And the girl on a bike wouldn't even exist. So that's kind of cool.
0: (laughs) Do you you sign up to the old adage, things happen for a reason? Are you a believer of that? Or do you think you make your own sort of luck destiny?
1: I think it's a combination because I think you can make your own luck. I think you can visualize your own future and take steps and work towards goals and what you want to achieve. But I do think sometimes shit just happens. Absolutely. And, you have know, just got to deal with it and adapt. Yeah. And you you know, you can't bubble wrap and protect yourself from everything, which is one of the reasons why I'm more than happy to throw myself around on a deck <laughs> You know, just because I was broken before, gonna have some fun still.
0: Excellent. I uh, know I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, I'm I, I sign up to that as well. I think I think life life has a habit of throwing you opportunities that might not they might not strike you as opportunities at the time, but I think how you deal with what happens in life certainly determines what path you're gonna go down, doesn't it? And and I think as long as you as long as you have sort of an end goal as to what you want and you you focus your intention and your being on what you on how you're going to achieve that and you just deal with whatever comes your way and it might it might send you down a different path, you never know, but you know, I just think, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, just, you make your own, you make you make what you will of the opportunities that come to you, if that makes any sense. Yeah,
1: it, no, it makes sense. And I think that really classic, completely overused saying of one door closes, mm. another door opens, is so true. Yeah. But the reality is, is that door opening might not be in sight you know, you might have to go through a few different corridors yeah. or different roads to find that door, but there's always something that's going to come out of it. you just got to find it.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: and, you know, stay focused to find it.
0: Yeah. And if you think, oh, well, yeah. that door's shut, then you're never, ever going to see what's on the other side, are you? So, yeah. Cool. That's Sweet. deep. That's deep for this early on. Cheers for that, Pete. This is deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, right, next question then, Chris Parry. As a lady, where do you get your motorcycle kit from? My wife loves being pillion, but hates that ninety-nine percent of female kit is pink. Um, please help keep a loving <gasps> husband. Well, no, what's it? Please help a loving husband sort his wife's problems.
1: Kit. Well, I have to say first, you're a really lovely husband. <laughs> I love that, and Great. I totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Just because I'm a girl, it doesn't mean I want pink. Mm. Um, but, okay, so I'm guessing we're talking road stuff because we're talking about pinions. Yeah, Yeah. Um For me, my absolute favourite on the protective trouser side is Rocker, right. Rocker Company.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They are not the cheapest. I'm going to be honest on that one. However... The way I like to think about a lot of motorcycle jeans is they are like condoms with holding. in them. So,
0: okay, explain.
1: <laughs> now you're listening. Okay, high impact areas having the Kevlar. I'm sorry, but when I fall off my motorbike, I'm not going to be thinking, quick, stop, only let the high impact area touch the ground any part of my body my shin my hip my ankle could hit the ground Mm. so if i want to if i come off the bike i want to know that in that moment heaven forbid i need that protection i'm going to have it anywhere because i don't know what i'm going to hit it might be you know the center partition scraping part of my leg so anyway i'm going off on a total rant about (laughs) protective clothing um Kevlar and Dyneema and all those kind of structures, just make sure it's a full trouser and rocker do absolutely incredible jeans to the point that I've rocked up at corporate business interviews in rocker jeans and you can't tell they are beautiful, lovely fitting jeans. Mm. I've got a black pair, a dark denim pair, a ripped light denim, you know, cool with the down with the kids kind of (laughs) got ripped jeans. Yeah, yeah. Um... They just do really nice styles. They fit beautifully. Uh, they wash really well. They last well. So rocker trousers. Okay. On the top, jacket wise, Climb do some nice jackets. I've, won, I've got. I think Ricker and Climb are my two favourite jackets. Mm-hmm. They, for the Ricker side, I like them because they are well fitted and. I don't want to be kind of boyy, you know, I like to have a waist and a bit of shape around my chest area. Show off the form. Uh, And there you go, you've got the wording. (laughs) And then I also really like my climb one, but it's actually a men's jacket. And the reason I really like that is because it is just comfortable. If it's Hmm. raining, it's completely long enough, there's no gaps or bits where wind can get in. So for Colder winter riding, that's my definite must-have. Right.
2: Um,
1: And it's not really the question, but if you're a girl like me, getting cold is a really big one when you're riding. So I always wear Merino base layers. Yeah. Um, So um, what's it called? Um, Icebreaker base layers, swear by them. I also wear them in jury riding in the winter.
0: Icepark, did you Uh, say?
1: Icebreaker. Icebreaker, right. Um, and then I have a Gerben heated jacket, which has got a, it's like a little gilet mm-hmm. with a battery inside. So you don't have to plug into the bike or anything like that. It lasts yeah, about that. four hours on low. Absolutely amazing. The best thing i bought. I wear it all over the place, even in the garage in the winter. I'll have that on under a hoodie and three coats. It's better than a hot water bottle and in your <laughs> jumper, that's for
0: sure. All right. Well, there you go, Chris. There you go. Pretty, um, that sounds like it's going to be an expensive uh, Christmas Shop or a or, uh, birthday shop for you, I think. Um,
1: your wife can thank me later. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> Andy Bowen, Motorbike Tourer. Question for Vanessa. You've got 20 grand burning a hole in your pocket. What would you get and Ooh. why? Bike wise, obviously.
1: Bike wise.
0: And that could be um, kit, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bike, but let's say kit as well. So if there's a bit of kit that you maybe wanted to get. <laughs>
1: I'm not very good with these questions. (laughs) because We've got all the time in the world, don't (laughs) worry. No, no, it's because I'm so content and grateful for the bikes that I have Mm -hmm. that I really want to wish for something. Like, I'm just really happy that I've got bikes. I feel so lucky. Okay. Okay, that's not the answer you want. Okay, I reckon it would probably be either the GS oh 1250
2: what
0: adventure or standard
1: adventure would you or a tiger 900
0: okay right GS obviously I'm a GS fanboy why would you take the adventure over the standard
1: oh I don't
0: know <laughs> it's just something I'm always I'm always intrigued by <laughs> why people go Wait. for it 'Cause the they're both they're exactly the same bike, except the Adventure has a little bit more weather protection and it's got a thirty litre tank rather than a twenty or twenty three, whatever the standard has. That's pretty much it. So it's the same size engine, but it's like another forty odd kilograms in weight. And I just think, well, it's gonna be slower then.
1: Okay, I don't want the adventure. Can
0: I change my mind? <laughs> of course
1: you can. Do what you like. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not a massive clued up on GSs, so I just thought that was like the road or the, off, the off-road one, so I just wanted the one that was more adventurous in my answer, so I'll be completely honest, I just went, adventure sounds fun, I think, I <laughs> with think, no
0: knowledge. I think the adventure possibly does, has a, has a slightly different shock, maybe, it might be a little bit softer, okay. I think, I, I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but uh, I mean, Lyndon, we, we both know Lyndon from, from Toro Trail and Toro Adventure. He yeah. he takes the GSs, and they're the standard GSs, the HP ones. He takes them to Morocco, and mm-hmm. he does some fairly reasonable off-road on them. So um, they, they can do what they do. That's interesting, GS. And then the other one you went for was the Tiger 900.
1: Yeah, I haven't ridden it yet, but I did a ADV trip out in Bolivia on the Tiger 800 with Novo yeah. Adventures, and those bikes really impressed me mm. um what that was really my first proper encounter with adv riding and that right. sort of style and i i think i was really naive in thinking that it was kind of a jack of all trades trying to be good at everything but actually <laughs> they really are pretty darn good mm-hmm. at everything i didn't expect to be peg scraping round the incredible roads in bolivia yeah. and then in the on the exact same bike climbing up a mountain uh, a volcano yeah off-road they're so capable it was a, it was amazing Adventure uh, in, is just in their blood really it's, it's, and I've heard such good things about the 900 mm-hmm. that I think I'd want to you know tr- I'd obviously try it before I went and bought it with my 20 grand yes can I have this 20 grand
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah Andy's got it for you Andy Bowen's his name just just chat, uh, cool. not, not chat mm. him up but you know let me
1: write that down send him
0: a question on, on Insta Motorbike Tourer Um yeah, I've heard some good things about the 900. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. I, mm. I I tried the 800, yeah. not off-road, but I tried the 800 and compared to the 12, it, it sort of lacked a bit. But then I know from people that have taken it off-road, they all said the 800 was the better off-road compared to the, the 12. And then those that I know who've taken the 900 out, I think Andy, the Missenden Flyer, he's taken the 900 mm-hmm. out and he loved it. He says it's one of the best bikes he's ri- he's ridden. So yeah, yeah,
1: that's what I've heard.
0: It's interesting what you say there mm-hmm. about you know these these adventure bikes, and that I was exactly the same. You know, they used to be the enemy to me. I, I used to look at them and just think, "You bloody idiots!" You know, it's like it, it's no use for off road. It's no use for the road. You're just you're living a dream that you're never going to have. Stop trying to be Ewan McGregor. Then a road one, and it was like, mm-hmm. "Shit, this is actually a good bit of kit." And it. And as you said, it does like 90% mm. of the things, 90% well on everything. It, it, it does everything, doesn't it? Yeah. So if Remember you've not ridden the first one, time one, I
1: rode, Well, the first time I rode a GS,
0: mm.
1: I was going along on the motorway. I was sat going quite fast. So let's just say I was sat at 70 because obviously that's the speed.
0: Maintaining and speed. Maintaining speed. Yeah.
1: I was sat there going, this is really weird what is going on and I just couldn't work out what it just felt something was wrong and then I realized that my visor was open <laughs> and I ride Harley like there's no there's absolutely no fairing or anything re- to, 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 to protect you and yeah. I was sitting at that speed a little bit higher with my visor open absolutely blissfully happy and my eyeballs were completely fine i wasn't blinking and drying out eating flies just content and that moment was like yeah this is a comfortable bike mm-hmm. to do some distance
0: see i was i was the opposite of you i'd never ridden harley but obviously I've, I've owned a couple of gs's now so i'm a proper gs convert and i used to think that harleys were sort of you know similar sort of attitude i had towards gs's and gs riders was kind of kind of what i thought harley's i just thought it's you know it's it's no use compared to today's technology it's living on a bygone age kind of thing and then i've had the opportunity to ride a few and it's like oh i get it now i totally get it it's just the ones that i've ridden it's not about performance it's about like sounds weird it's like a soul it, it, it you feel the soul of the bike coming through and it's just you sat there cruising along and you think yeah i get this now i totally get this
1: yeah it's one of those things i think you you cannot mock it till you've tried it absolutely and yeah. you you have to try a couple because there's a reason why there are lots of different style harleys and everyone likes a slightly different style or feel or you know seating position etc yeah there's something about them what's your one again i totally agree Street Bob Dino Street Bob 2015
0: and what's it called again I can't remember what you call yours (laughs) Thug Thug that's right it's a blue one isn't it yeah (laughs) if you if you follow Vanessa's Instagram you'll see loads of pictures of the various different bikes and they all have their own little personality and names that go with them yeah it's a cool bike they do (laughs) Uh, Gary Crook next one question for Vanessa who is your biggest influence in your life and where do you get that great inner strength from
1: The biggest influence in my life. Okay, so answering the strength question. Mm -hmm. um, When I was a little girl, I was, I think I was about six when it started. And my mother was very, very ill. And there was about a 10-year period where... It was touch and go, and at one point I had to live with my mum's sister and go to a different school because my mum was in hospital and my dad... I was too young for my dad to to leave me to do my own thing and get to school on my own. Yeah, And so I had to live away from home for, I think it was 13 months. Um, wow. And... Actually had to say goodbye to my mum because she had to go in for major spinal surgery. I didn't at the time know that it was goodbye, but she she did. She knew it was a 50-50 chance. Mm. And so through that period of my childhood, I saw the strength that my mum had and the resilience that she had to keep going. And she got up. Yeah, there were loads of days where she didn't get out of bed at all, but mm. she kept going and she came out the other side. And I think I grew up seeing that kind of strength, and it's sort of installed in me that
2: mm.
1: you can push on and you can get through this stuff. Yeah, um, quite a deep answer.
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's often that that's that's the root of of sort of influence on in people's lives, isn't it? And strength. Yeah,
2: mm. yeah.
0: Probably same for me, to be honest. My my mum was my mum was a a massive influence in, in my life growing up, more than I think I realised at the time, and it was only towards the end she, she passed away from cancer and, and it was only sort of towards the end I I really realised that, and then certainly after she'd passed away, it was like, god, you know my dad always worked in the oil and he worked away for massive parts of my life, he was mm. working offshore or working in other countries so basically my mum my was the one that raised us and and you're like bloody hell! I can see how tough that would have been for her, and what she put up with. <laughs> yeah, and then seeing what she went through towards the end as well, you see that sort of deep inner strength in people. Yeah, gives you a, a new appreciation, wow. doesn't it, for for folk and what what they're capable of. God, this is a bloody deep one. This is this week. <laughs> it is. You uh, need a stronger drink. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. God, I think I finished my first one already. It is. It must be about 110 degrees in here at the moment. Whew. I've, I've got my window open yeah. so folks if you can hear cars going by and birds tweeting I do apologise but it is it's like a sweat box in this room Sheesh. Uh right next one we've got here uh, Gareth Jib Africa Twin your Instagram account shows you on a number of bikes what style would you say defines you ooh I
1: have to be
0: defined by a style <laughs> ooh don't label me man
1: <laughs> oh gosh, you've got some deep questions coming in i don't I know um, I think what am I, just, I know the one with two wheels and an engine
0: like it like have that have that Gareth the jib <laughs> Africa twin <to> <laughs> like it um do you do you do you attribute any personalities to your bikes do you treat them as not treat them as people, but I mean, I, I give all my names and I definitely I definitely talk to them. <laughs> yeah, it's not just me. Thank God for that.
1: Absolutely. You have to talk to them mm. because, you know, that's how you make your bond. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I reckon I speak to Buddy, the uh, Husqvarna T250i Jury bike, the most. Yeah. Because... I really need Buddy to look after me in a lot more situations than where I put myself on the Harley or the Travis bike because yeah. I, I tend to hit things on Buddy where I am genuinely terrified. <laughs> now, so, you, yeah, I need Buddy support.
0: You do some pretty hardcore off-roading. We're not talking about green lane in here, <laughs> folks, so get yourself across to Vanessa's Instagram um, and have on, on Facebook. And probably You've got the YouTube channel as well, don't you? Do you have a YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so get, get there's some good
1: fail videos on my YouTube, actually. They always go so down well, like don't things. they?
0: Yeah, uh, Vanessa pretty much throws herself into this stuff. So uh, yeah, check them out, check them out. Uh, where else were we? Andrew Scott, it's riding a Harley. It's a bit like wearing Crocs. You're saying to the world that you've given up. Oh, Fair enough, Andrew. Um, oh. If you go back in time. Well. <laughs> yeah. He he has a question. He does have a question. Okay. I think Andrew's actually a Harley rider, I think. I'm not sure. Um, If you go back in time and do one thing to alter the course of history, what would it be? Well, that's interesting because you kind of touched on that earlier. So if you could go back in time and alter one thing, what would it be?
1: Probably... It's going to have catastrophic implications, but I'd probably stop the creation of plastic in the form that we know it, that is populated in our sea. Wow.
0: Cool. Now that's deep. (laughs) (laughs) That is deep. Yeah. Have you seen... Sorry, go on. No go. Have you seen um, the young chap? I think he's twenty odd years of age, who is designed. He's got this project going on in the major rivers. I've chatted about this before, actually, where he's trying to clean out all the plastic in the ocean. So him and his team. I think he was like sixteen, seventeen when he first came up with this idea, and they thought. It's pretty much impossible to go out into the world's oceans and start scooping up all the plastic. It's just, it's just never going to happen. It's going to be a never-ending battle. So they did a load of research and they identified five major rivers in the in the world that have something like ninety-five percent. Um, they produce ninety-five percent of the plastic that ends up in the oceans. So they said, right, let's start targeting those five tributary rivers, and then that will
2: wow. effectively
0: stop any more plastic coming in. So then you, it's not going to be increasing anymore. It's, it's going to be a finite number that you can then deal with. So he's deve- he's developed these floating pontoons that basically sit on the tidal estuary parts of these rivers. and the the plastic just floats down river and into the, like this collection area and it just automatically gets collected up whacked into a like a floating barge and then that's taken away to be recycled and he's having a massive impact already on it i can't i can't remember his name it's on instagram i will how am i going to do it i will put a tag in the description of the podcast and in the youtube video i'll put a tag there and it's well worth checking out it's amazing have you never heard of it then? That's
1: a good idea. No, uh, no but I've <clears> heard of people... There's like a, a, a really young kid in, I think it's Thailand, who has made a plastic that will completely... Okay, I'm going to make... This is maybe fake news, so my memory... A good part of this is going to be true, yeah. but it might not be completely factually accurate. But it's along the lines of a plastic form that's made from seaweed that is actually edible as well, but will function as what we would consider plastic for a good period of time, but then you can eat it. So take having a burger, Mm -hmm. you can get your burger in a box that you, there is no waste because you then eat the box. Whether it tastes like cardboard, (laughs) I don't know.
0: don't know if I fancy that. it's
1: all these sorts of things where if you could go back in time and say, no plastic, that's not a good invention for the human race. the the world that we live in for the planet for the ecosystems let's not mass produce that let's work something else out let's take a little bit more time and do something more more intelligent
0: that's a that's a that's a bloody good idea yeah wow Mm. can't argue with that one can you yeah okay we'll go with that get rid of plastic
1: (laughs) what's what's yours
0: oh gee whiz if i could go back at any point hmm alter the course of history Play me. see I, I always make a point of not reading these questions so I, I'm never I'm never forearmed with them it's just you know you get the initial a real honest initial answer don't you but sometimes it stumps you um, go back in time and do one thing to alter the course of history Right, this is this just came to me thinking about it, and it's very topical, and that's probably why it. That's probably why it popped in my head. But stop Martin Luther King being assassinated just to see what happened after that. Just to see,
2: because
0: it, it seems like that was such a pivotal pivotal point in at the time. I suppose did we know much about that over here in, in the UK? I don't. I don't know if we knew much about it in the UK compared to how we now know what's going on in America like that because of social media. But it was obviously such yeah. a massive... It was having such a massive impact at the time, hence why he was assassinated. I'd just like to see how how things would be different, if they would be different now. Who knows? It, yeah.
1: It's incredible to think when... I don't know, people often say that, you know, the one thing that they do isn't, you know, you can't make a difference to the world. And you always got to think that if you don't think you can make a difference mm. and you're too small to make a difference, try going to sleep with a mosquito. <laughs> and it's incredible to think, you know, your, your thing now is, is one person. Yeah. And it probably would have made a huge difference to mm. the course of history. And yeah. it's incredible to think that. Yeah, you know, one person can can change the
0: world. It's weird because it's not that's not something I've ever really contemplated, to be perfectly honest. But it just popped into my head as we were chatting. You think, bloody hell, yeah, yeah. I Wonder that, yeah. How much of a how much of a difference was it that he's he's no longer here? Mm. I don't know. It's it's weird one at the moment. You know, this whole we'll, we'll go there very tentatively. Very tentatively with what's happening at the moment, but I've got to admit it—it it does annoy me that here in the UK, like the old bill in the UK, are given the same label that the old bill in the states mm-hmm. get. And 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 I'll I'll put my, I'll put my head above the parapet here and I'll say that the vast majority of coppers in the states are not like that vile human being that killed George Floyd. You know. That's just a despicable act by a despicable person. And I know plenty of coppers in the States, and they're not like that. They would never do something like that. But I also know they don't get anywhere near the training that we get in the UK with regards to, you know, suspect handling, uh, medical aid, mm. all that sort of stuff. So you, you see what how the States handle their, their suspects and, and casualties, and you just think, Jesus, no wonder so many people are, are dying in police hands because they they don't seem to have mm-hmm. an aftercare and I don't know I don't know if a lot of that is is a, race, a racism thing I think they just that's just how they deal with suspects there's undeniable cases where it is don't get me wrong, undeniable and I've seen those videos you, you can't justify that in any shape or form it's horrific but there's other ones that I watch and I go, you know, I'm not convinced there's anything more to that other than that copper was scared for their life and they're dealing with a violent person and that's just how they deal with violent people. But anyway, let's, mm. let's draw a veil to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Lee Hurst. I was interested. Ooh. So go on.
1: Can I really quickly check the cameras? Of course, you can. Happy? Yeah, of course. camera is still happy. All still Sorry, recording? Thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Lovely job. There's nothing worse than getting to the end and then realising you have no audio or you've got no video. Oh, it's happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Next question. Lee Hurst. I was interested to hear from using Kate how some men in the biking world can make it difficult for women riders. What one thing could make male riders, sorry, what one thing could male riders do to make women feel more comfortable or interested in motorcycling? You're a woman, you must have all I the probably answers.
1: I think, all the answers. <laughs> I think probably the most damaging thing to females' perception of biking is the in, the first encounter that a lot of women get with bikes. Now, that is, you're, you know, a teenager, you've got the boyfriend that's got his bike and he's all a little bit leery and ego-y and you get on the back, you're completely out of control because, you know, you're just in faith holding on to this guy on a bike yeah. and your life is in their hands and their ego takes the control and it's terrifying. It's got to be. It's, this isn't my first encounter. This is my perception that I think a lot of women's encounter with bikes is going on the back. Right. And riding a bike, particularly anybody that's looking, what, watching this, thinking, "Oh, yeah, it's terrifying being on the back of a bike." It is not the same riding the bike.
0: No, God no. I hate being pillied. Totally pillian. different. Hate it.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So much trust to go on the back of a motorbike with somebody else. I think I only will only go on the back with probably my husband, um, dad, and people I really, really know. I wouldn't just mm-hmm. get on the back of a stranger's um, bike. Yeah. Oh, that just reminded me of a really horrible story. Go on. When I took someone on the back of my bike.
0: Go on. We're all ears.
1: <laughs> okay, I was. <laughs> Don't laugh before I've told the story. Gosh, I couldn't be a comedian. <laughs> okay. I was at Pasquette Off-Road Centre in North Spain, and I was on my enduro bike riding around, and I come across... There's a main fire track around this. It's like a hard enduro uh, playground, heaven. Yeah. And there's a fire track. I'm coming down the fire track, actually on my way back to the van to, to get a refreshment, and there's this guy in full enduro kit on the side of the track, looking a little bit like he should probably have a motorbike, but didn't. So I pull over and ask if he's okay. Turns out his mates had a fall, his bike's damaged and he needs to get back to the van to get help to go around. I'm like, oh, do you want to jump on the back? And he's like, yeah, fine. Yeah, please love to. And he jumps on the back, holds on to me, riding along, everything's fine. And then I just start feeling this really firm object into my lower back. No and I'm like no <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> yeah please tell me
0: Are it was a driving- screwdriver or something like that
1: <laughs> no I think he enjoyed that journey back oh, no. down the, uh, the bumpy track uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know where to look when he got off the bike I drove away very quickly
0: <laughs> wow wow <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what can you say about that then? Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Ladies, be careful who you let on the back of your motorbike. <laughs> yeah, it
0: sounds it. It sounds it. Bloody hell. Uh, wow, I'm a bit thrown by that, Vanessa. Cheers. Uh, right, next question. Stuart Bailey. I started using the Cali Moto app that Bruce uses for general generating a circular route. Do you use technology for route planning or do you prefer other traditional ways to get lost?
1: Oh, um, I probably a combination of friends and using their experience. So, if you know someone that knows the area, mm. it's awesome just to follow them and have them show you around. But I do use an app called View Ranger, which enables you to have digital OS maps on your phone and you can plot routes, you know, finding the legal byways, places that you can ride, and I'll plot out a route. And then I can have that on my handlebars of the of the enduro bike and follow it, for example. That's quite a key one for off-road riding because there's a lot of areas that are legal, and obviously I don't want to be riding on illegal terrain. And is that That helps me find?
0: Is that just in the UK, or is that does that cover global or Europe-wide, or?
1: It's yeah, anywhere where you can get OS maps.
0: Okay. And what's so, it called yeah, again?
1: I've used it across Europe. View Ranger.
0: View Ranger. It's, right.
1: it's a free app, but you pay for the OS maps. Yeah. If you have a physical map, you can take the code off your map and put it into it, and it will. It, if you buy the map, you kind of buy the map digitally and paperly.
0: Gotcha. Mm-hmm.
1: Great English there. Paperly <laughs>
0: is the word. Paperly. It is now.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> So that's for off-road. What about, like, on-road stuff?
1: i just use new, normal Google Maps if I was yeah. plotting something, yeah. going somewhere, um, or, you know, speak to people about what the best routes are. Um, no fancy technology that's going to be life-changing for you there, I'm afraid. <laughs> I,
0: I used to be a, a firm believer in the paper map, right up until my, my world trip. Uh, I loved just using maps didn't want sat nav and I, I remember I got I got approached by Garmin to provide me a, a sat nav for the round the world trip and I I really didn't want a sat nav I was like no I want to use a map but I, I took it on board because I thought you know it's a, it's a big name it might help with the publicity and all that sort of stuff but it's t- it totally converted me. Like I um, I just use sat navs and my phone and everything now and I've I've never got well I carry a paper map from a tours but I never use it. You know, it's weird that. Yeah. But you look at I had Sam have you heard of Sam Manneckum? Never heard of him?
1: Not not spring to mind.
0: He's um he's like a god in the overland world. He he's a a British chap. Okay. Well actually no, he was born in I think it was Zimbabwe somewhere in Africa he was born anyway he grew up down there but he he headed off he passed his motorbike licence and then his motorbike test and then he he literally just set off to um, ride the world 8 years later he he finished 200 and something odd thousand miles 50 odd countries 8 years later he finished and and he I think still to this day he's a map man he's not a sat nav guy and um you look at what he did and then you look at people like, um, wow. excuse me, you look at all the folk that, uh, Ted Simon and people like that who, who travelled the world and they never had sat-nav, so they just used maps and I know a bloke, I, I know a bloke yeah. called Dan Walsh and he used, um, he he effectively used the map that he found in a fast food restaurant to navigate parts of the Americas. <laughs> He just he just went by that map and went yeah that'll do, just followed it and off he went. Nuts. Uh, right. I think it's
1: a fun fun way to just go go where the wind takes you. Really, right. I think when you when you use a sat nav, it's a lot more like prescriptive. Mm-hmm. You don't just end up and stumble on and happen to be places in quite the same way. I think there is something quite magical about just kind of knowing where your destination is and sort yeah. of going yeah i think that would be pretty exciting but i'd always almost want that mat there in my pocket if i needed it i've got to be
0: honest that's that tends to be how i use it now in that and like if i've got somewhere where i need to be and there's a time if you've got time limits involved then obviously yeah i follow the sat nav how it's telling me to go and off you go but if i'm just out for a ride and i will fly the flag for kalimoto here kalimoto has this random ride feature so you can just you can tell it how far you want to go whether you want to you know you want to get from point a to point b you've got a final destination but you're not worried about how long or what route you take you can both generate me a random route or you can say right I want to start and finish at this one point and I want to do 200 miles and I want to do it roughly in a southwest direction and and it will just work out a random ride for you and off you go and you can tell it how twisty you want it to be you know and and that's that and I've found it even around here where I live I've found so many roads and places that I never knew existed because I've just literally hit the random thing and off you go and then if you do wow. If if I do see a road that I think God, where's that go? And then you just follow that road, and you know the sat nav will always figure out a way to get you where you want to go, doesn't it? So as long as you don't run out of power, you're always you're always going to get back wherever you need to be. So I quite like using the sat nav for that now. Just go off and explore, and once you're totally lost and had enough, figure out where.
1: What was
0: that one called? That's called Kalimoto. Kalimoto,
1: Okay.
0: If you if you want a I've got some codes, and this goes to everybody i've I've got some codes for they're one of my sponsors now actually, so if you want they've got a free version, which is not bad, it's all right, but then they've got a paid for version and if you want to try the paid version, just i can I'll pass it on to you. no problem. Everyone else that's watching this or listening, drop me a line info at teapot one or across any of the social medias and i'll I'll send you a link with a code, and that'll give you a month's free use of the premium version. Check it out. See if you want to invest. I think it's something like thirty-five quid for the full version. So, but uh, I'll fire that your way if you want to try it out. I think they do. I think they that do off-road is- as well. I think they do like lane stuff as well. Tracks. Um, uh, don't quote me on that. Don't quote me on that. But I think they also do like light lane stuff. You know how much of a fan I am of off-road, anyway. So. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, last one of the uh, patron questions. Steve Meeson, this is for you. How crap are motocross races and the X Games going to be with electric bikes?
1: Oh, why would they be crap on electric bikes?
0: Exactly, that's what I think, but Steve seems to think they will. People... I think people. I think
1: if you haven't ridden one, you Bosh. hate them. When you ride one, you are like giddy with OMG! How on earth did it accelerate like that? hundred percent. Silly. Yeah. They're silly. Yep. Yeah.
0: What you said yeah. earlier about you know Harleys and GS's, don't knock it till you've tried it. It's it's just a case of you can't really have a proper qualified opinion on something unless you've experienced it. And electrics, one hundred percent that way. I dreaded the thought yeah. of electric and then I've ridden a fair few now and God, I love them. I think they're brilliant.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I had a day with what, English Electric Motor Co um, yeah. and they've got heaps of electric bikes. I went out on a few of them and I mean, obviously I'm someone that rides a ridiculously loud Harley Davidson. There is a yeah. YouTube video <laughs> on my channel of the sound of her. She's <laughs> ridiculous. And so, going to an electric bike that's silent, obviously, I'm going to hate it. No. Yeah. It's actually incredible hearing the bushes going past. Yeah. The trees with the birds in them. Yeah. You almost feel more connected to the environment whizzing past you. You feel closer, more grounded somehow. And oh my goodness, you're going past fast if you want to. Oh, God, that yeah. Talk.
0: It's crazy, yeah, isn't it?
1: they
0: are a lot of fun. I, I, I did, um, I've, I've got it on one of my videos. I was out riding around Kent on electric and I went down this back country lane and I came up behind, I can't remember what car it was, but it was an electric car. So the car's electric, I'm electric, and we're both just effectively gliding along the road. And like you said, you could hear the cows mewing. You could, you could hear the birds tweeting and almost. And it's just like, this is nuts. This is crazy. I loved it. Absolutely loved it.
1: Please, can you say the noise that the cows make one more time?
0: <laughs> Mooing.
1: <laughs> what? Don't be racist. Oh, that Don't be racist. Me. <laughs> 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 one more point to the question. I actually think electric bikes are going to be the best thing coming to enduro and motocross tracks Do because, you? at the moment, the biggest thing shutting them down is noise complaints. Yeah. Yeah. And electric bikes are quiet. So maybe we're going to see, you know, tracks opening up again because there won't be noise complaints. What will people have to complain oh, yeah. about? They'll find a thing. Of course they people will. always do. But yeah. it could be a really good thing, actually.
0: That's a valid point because there's, there's quite a few of the, the traditional race circuits that have also, they've all had to either shut down or stop doing track days because of the noise pollution. That's a good point. Don't yeah. think of that. Hmm. I think I think what Steve's meaning is well, I mean no one needs to tell you you know what it's like uh, like motocross and uh, for me, I remember Speedway. I remember as a young star, like m- my mom was English, but I grew up in the northeast of Scotland, but we used to come down on holidays to see her family. And um, she had a massive family, eight brothers and sisters. So when I came down, my one of my uncles and one of my cousins were right into Speedway. So they used to take me away to the Speedway races around Crystal Palace and places. And I just remember the smell, you know, the sound and the smell is mm. what I remember about biking. And... um yeah, I, I get that, what people think. They think, oh, if we go to electric, you're not going to have all the other sensual stimulation that comes with it, you know, with the the vibration and off of the engine and the smell and the noise and everything that goes with it. But it's just it's just a total different element that comes with electric, isn't it? So you're, yeah. you're taken away, but you're given with someone else as well.
1: Yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah genuinely not something to be worried about folks it really isn't and if you are worried about it take an electric bike out and just, just try, I'll guarantee you, you'll love it, guarantee you right, that is the clan question, so that is the clan questions, They those are, that's the better English, those are the clan questions, we're now moving on to Instagram t.1 one insta if you're not there yet, uh, first one, Rob Sheesh question for Vanessa What's the secret of your positivity? You've already replied to him on this one, I see.
1: So, I think it's a really good question. Mm. And I think I've always been a glass half full person, Mm -hmm. but the accident was a serious kick of just realizing how grateful you need to be for everything that you've got around you. Because like this, it can change. Mm. It can go and i think gratitude for the little things in life you know enjoying just being able to take a deep breath the sound of the birds in the tree all yeah. those little things add up to just making a day a whole lot better and being grateful for everything i think is just the most important thing for for happiness really um, seeing, seeing all the positives. Yes, there's always going to be things to complain about, be sad about, or be moan about. But there's always going to be something that you can be appreciated for. And I, during my recovery, being really honest, went through some really, really dark times. Mm. Times when I, I didn't realise the world could, could, could go that dark. Um I, mean, I was actually at, at one point diagnosed with change disorder because I no longer we... saw myself as me. Wow. Uh, I would I talk about myself in the third person because this broken thing, this wasn't me. I was this fit athletic person that could do sets of 13 pull-ups and kite surf, Yeah. Um, yeah, I went, I I went through some really hard times. I think the mental recovery was probably harder actually than, than the physical side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, being being grateful because it
0: could always be worse. Absolutely, yeah. I think I mean that's a fantastic character trait that you have. Absolutely, and I think yeah, okay, you've you've worked at it, you've been through a lot, but it's definitely I think something that's a that's a a character trait that people have or they don't have. I think everybody knows people who are definite glasses half full and it's very hard to get them to to adopt that positive mindset isn't it you know i've got friends who no matter what you say to them they'll always see the negative of it and you're just like come on you feel like just and i get it i understand because when you're in when you're in a mindset of the world's against me everything's shit it's very hard to, to take the positive out of anything, isn't it? I, I get that. I, I understand yeah. to a, to a degree. I understand, but yeah, you do want to just grab some people and go. Come on, you got to get out of this. But it's probably the worst thing you can say to people, isn't it? It's it's just something. How yeah. how how do you get people? I, I'll go I think I'll, again. So much, go. On.
1: I think so much of it, from from my eyes, is thinking about perspective. And when you're in that moment where everything just seems horrific, try and take a step back. I think mindfulness was a really big one for me mm. in my recovery. Try and take a step back and consciously look at the situation. Try and put yourself outside of your shoes. And I've got two images that come to my mind as kind of nice examples, and that is roses um, it's the first one. So it really sucks that roses have thorns, right? Yeah. You know? They're pretty evil. They can make you bleed. You know, they get caught on things. But actually, shouldn't we be really grateful that those thorns have beautiful flowers? It's just look at it from a different perspective. Another one that I love visually is you've got a little guy in in a boat at sea. And he's been floating along for days on his little boat. And then you have a guy stuck on this tiny desert island with his little palm tree. And he's stuck on his on his little island and the, the two meet you know the boat floats up to the island and the guy on the boat is like yeah land and the guy on the island is like yeah a boat
2: yeah, and I've it's seen just that. a
1: different perspective yeah. and I, I love that because there's always another perspective you've just got to look for it
0: definitely I've, I've, I've seen that I've seen that sort of character represent or cartoon representation of that before and yeah very true isn't it very true um yeah, blimey. This this is a proper deep one this week. It really <laughs> is. Uh, right, next question. PJM McNaughty, uh, PJ McNaughty. I was on the DLR on my way to the MCN Excel motorcycle show and had that awkward moment where I was staring at Vanessa, thinking, I know you, but don't know where I know you from. And since it's always been... F- uh, oh... And since, oh yeah, and since, it's always been from following you on social media. I think you've replied to him already. Do you get that a lot? Do you get a lot of people sort of looking at you going, I know you, where do I know you?
1: When I'm at a bike event, definitely. Yeah. But I love it when people say hello. So if you ever see me, please say hi. I want to yeah. say hi. I love chatting to people and meeting people. And the the absolutely um, So same. I love it when people say hello.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah.
1: It's it, it's. Was there a question in there?
0: No, I think he was just saying that he saw <laughs> you and and uh, yeah, thought oh I know you, but he didn't want to say hello. So if you do see her, say hello. <laughs> I'm the same. I, I love it when <laughs> folk come up and say hello because it's. I don't yeah. know. It's just I, I I like the whole social side of all this. You know, for me, it's it's brilliant. I love, and I, because I never used to be like that. I never used to be a social person. I I preferred my own company. I preferred being by myself. And then I think bikes just, just changed everything, really. And then certainly doing the, the world trip, just, it's like a switch went off. And it's like, ah, right, now I get it. This is me. That wasn't me. This is me. So, yeah. Now I just like to talk shit to anybody. I'm quite happy. Uh... Follow the beards. Question. Harley in the Alps or Dirt Bike in Wales? Dirt bike in
1: Wales. Yeah. You definitely
0: I was gonna don't take it the wrong way, but you like it dirty. You're definitely an off-road girl, aren't you? Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the Harley was the journey to discovering off-road. Mm. So if I think about um, the Harleys. So my husband and I actually rode Harleys out in Texas on our honeymoon. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. And then for one of our wedding anniversaries, which was um, 2015, we my husband was in Afghanistan for our wedding anniversary. So mm. when he got back from Afghanistan, he's in the Royal Air Force. I organized the two Harleys for the afternoon just to have a sort of, you know, a kind of anniversary thing no intention of anything other than just having a few hours on the Harleys. And obviously in my recovery at this point, it was a point between some of the major surgeries where I was, you know, able to ride a motorbike. And we had these Harleys for the afternoon and we went from absolutely zero intention to buy to ordering two in a week. It was like some kind of, (laughs) yeah, in a week. We ordered, we ordered one. um, And at this point I had a little Suzuki bandit 600 to commute because I was no longer able to cycle to work with the injuries Mm. so i was battling the traffic every day so i got a little commuting bike just to be able to get to work easy uh, when i was able to ride it obviously with with injuries surgeries and so we were like well we've got the suzuki bandit and we can have a harley and we can go cruising together and so we we ordered my my harley and then we were like hang on a minute you can't go cruising on a suzuki bandit with Mm. harley Let's just go one, go mad, and we were really lucky that we were in a position in life at that point where where we could. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of our adventures had stopped, our holidays, everything, because of my my body. So, yeah. the Harleys were the best decision that we'd made in my whole recovery because they gave us that ability to have some freedom, some we yeah. could hair, and have an adventure that was physically completely undemanding for my body. Awesome. So,
0: and then. I know you said you just woke up one night with this sort of vision that you wanted an off-road bike, but but what what led to that? What went from the Harley to, I need an off-road bike? There must've been something.
1: Honestly, I wish I knew. I do not know. I don't, I don't remember seeing them on the television. We've never had magazines or posters in the house like they have never, never been a thing. Wow. Uh, uh, but I honestly, the only way I can break it down to something that's remotely like a logical step is that I was always athletic, extreme sports, wanting that burn. Mm-hmm. And the Harley was the platform that I needed through my recovery. Yeah. But I was always seeking that sport, that adrenaline. And the Harley made me fall in love with motorbikes, so I think my mind went, well, hang on, how can I merge the motorbikes with something more extreme? And the enduro was kind of the obvious step. What I didn't know then is that I'd end up doing, you know, extreme enduros and riding in the British things and yeah, signing up for Red Bull Romaniacs, you know, it all kind of escalated. There's,
0: there's a lot to this. So come on, let, let, let's, let's go down your off-roading pedigree then. What, what races have you been in? What have you entered so far?
1: Not that many, honestly. I, I so done I, loads. No, I only, re, I only really started enduro. I, well, I've probably done enduro for about 18 months in total, but with yeah. now four hip surgeries in between. So across three and a half, four years, I, since I first started, I've had four hip surgeries. Oh, that's horrible. It was three until a few weeks ago, so I'm still getting used to the number going up. Um, and yeah, months where I haven't been able to ride. But when I've been able to, you know, it started with gentle green laning. And then, uh, I think the biggest influence in me going from green laning fun to stepping up was meeting Paul Bolton at Toro trail out in Spain and yeah. doing a training day with him and. I'd been pushing my skills a little bit. I'd been doing trials riding, which is a massive foundation for enduro, but it was something that was less risky for my hip. So that was how I sort of started trying to get myself going again, back end of last year. And riding with Paul, he basically turned around to me and said, you need to sign up for the Valley's Extreme, which is kind of known to be one of the most extreme hard enduros in the UK. Wow. And it was in January uh, this year. And I just laughed at him. <laughs> partly because I didn't actually know what it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and partly because it just sounded ridiculous. I mean, it had the word extreme in mm-hmm. the name. So clearly I was going to die and this is a stupid <laughs> idea. Anyway, what's happening backwards and forwards to him over the next couple of weeks? He persuaded me that I should, should just do this. So my husband and I basically worked out that we could go along to the Valley's extreme and do the practice day on the Saturday, which means you can get to do a portion of the course, have a go, get the experience, but it's not a race, nothing mental. And if I don't make a lap, pff, I haven't raced, you know, put my name in for a race and pe- wasted on money, et okay. Anyway, we did it and we did three laps in the time and realized that we could do it. And there were some pretty gnarly obstacles and hill climbs and some ridiculously steep stuff, but we loved it. We were buzzing. I felt so alive chatting to people at the end of this race and they were like, just do it. Sign up for tomorrow. What's why is it going to happen? You don't make a lap.
2: Yeah.
1: So what have a yeah. go. It's all about the taking part. And I am like, yeah, it is all about the taking part. Let's do this. So we signed up and my what, goal you and your was husband? to make, both of you did it. Yep. Yep. Both of <laughs> right. us did it. Um, we realized that we had to put new tires on that night in the car park and get the bikes ready to actually do like a race level. Um, camped in the car park and Woke up in the morning, signed on. Hey, yeah, we entered this race. Uh, My goal was to do a a bronze finish. So, the way it works is that if you get um, one lap, you get bronze. If you go a lap and a half, you get silver. And if you manage two laps in the time, you finish with gold. That's not first, second, third as far as placement, but that's like the rally. Like a reward type thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I was aiming for for bronze. Um, And. I remember sitting on that start line. Oh, my goodness. I actually wanted to cry with the fear. So about, if anyone knows that's watching the the Valley's Extreme, you'll know that about five metres from the start line, there is um, this massive plastic drainage pipe that's like that rugged plastic smoothie stuff that if you hit it the wrong way, you're going to slide off. Yeah. There's crowds everywhere. There's hundreds of people on the start line and five meters ahead is a drainage pipe that wants to eat me alive. Yeah. What am I doing on this start line? Oh my goodness. And I basically say to my husband who was definitely better at getting over a drainage pipe than me, um, you know, you go over it. And then, you know, if I, you can then help me get over it. If I don't if get it. If you over. make it,
0: I might try it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I cleaned straight over it, wrapped it. We'd walked the really tough obstacles. So there's this rock bed where there were bikes and bodies all over the place, carnage. But we picked our line, we rode towards it. And Alex and I have our Cardo intercoms on. So we're talking, chatting lines, helping each other as we go. Is that the pat Talk
0: Bold, perchance?
1: It is that Talk Bold. <laughs> Best intercoms ever. It is, genuinely, anyway, yeah, yeah. We're in each other's helmets and we're like right our line's clear and i absolutely bossed it straight up over these rocks you know dodging the body shrapnels everywhere cleaned it and i'm you can hear the crowd cheering and i was just like this is it i've got this freaking come on vanessa we can do this and we made silver i on the yeah it i it was just blown away. The energy I can feel right now is mad. Um And I remember getting to the finish line and someone asked, like, how do you feel? And I was like, this is, like, the best day of my life. And then obviously yeah. look at my husband and go, oh, okay, Second. I'm on the wedding Second. day, because obviously, <laughs> you know, that was, that was number one. That was all right. And that yeah. was it. That was it. I was hooked. From then on, I wanted to do hard enduring. Wow. Um You know, I dropped the bike. I fell off. I I struggled. I sweated. I cursed. uh You know, oh, the rock bed. If you don't know Valley's Extreme, just Google like the rock bed, for example. Right. And I made it up there on my own. Anyway, I'm addicted. I'm addicted. The burn, the fails, the satisfaction. I love it.
0: It (laughs) sounds like that sort of extreme sports background that you have. Well, I mean, it fits in the motorcycle world. It fits so well into enduro, doesn't it, and and all that sort of stuff and That's where you're getting your buzz, yeah. yeah. No, I, I get that. I do get that. I would love, I'd love to be able to do it. And I, there's there's tiny little instances. I'm just editing that where I where we met down in Toro. I'm just editing that yeah. video at the moment. And there are and I'll say t- tiny instances where I think, oh, okay, yeah, I think I get this. And then just this, the fear kicks in, and I just think, I fucking hate this. I'm so far out in my league, it's frightening. I've got to say, I went back the next day. After the day we did it, we were all on Husky 350s, weren't we? Well, the, ne- yeah. the next day, I took the big GSs out, and I went off-road um, with, with Adrian, one of the guides. And I genuinely enjoyed that day, being off-road. I really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed being on the GS because it was just... I said before it, it just felt bigger it felt like I could balance better on it whereas on the wee 350 I was either leaning too far forward and felt like I was going over the front or I was too far back and every time I touched the throttle I was flying back like that I just, I just couldn't get the balance right at all I I try it again. I, I, I definitely will. I def- there are so many people that all they want is for me to go off-road. So it definitely <laughs> will happen. I know Lyndon hasn't given up. He definitely wants me to, to do a bit more off-roading. So that will happen for sure. Well, that's interesting that. So, you're, so I mean, uh, your husband, is it Alex? Is that, is that your husband? Yeah, yeah Rocky uh, Monster.
1: Rocky Monster.
0: Yeah. Was he an <laughs> off-roader before then or did the pair of you just...
1: Nope. So nope. you both um, just went go- for it. Yeah, I got I got into it. Um, we did. Okay. We started that whole journey together. When we met, we both had our full motorbike license, but neither of us had bikes. So wow. when the bikes kind of came up, it was you know we were both ready for it. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah, I mean, so we started together.
0: The two of you, I haven't seen you down there at, at Toro. The two of you are so comfortable off road, and you know I just I assumed, probably chauvinistically, I just assumed that that Alex had had experience of off-road and maybe that is what brought you in but obviously chatting with you no not at all it's just
2: no, <laughs> a vision that at night
0: it was you that, yeah. that opened the door to everything wow well there's this this, yeah. this hope that this hope that i might i might i might discover how to handle on off-ride bike off-road bike yeah i doubt it but you never know i might we'll see <laughs> um god where were we in the questions what had we just spoken about? I don't
1: even I don't even know what the last question was. Um, Follow the
0: beard, dirt bikes or Harley in, in the Alps? That was it. Oh
1: yeah.
0: Right there we go. Um, what have we got here? Official Mr Fish, you've been through tough times after the crash, a bit like myself. This is John saying, Mr Fish. Um, do, you, do you know official? Uh, do you know Mr Fish? He's uh, another YouTuber. He had, he had a really bad bike accident on, on the road that, that nearly killed him. So he's he's gone through quite a lot, still fighting injury and stuff at the moment. But anyway, um, did you ever doubt you'd get back on two wheels? Uh, I know I did. I promised folks 10 years ago, and that lasted three years. So basically, he promised his wife and everybody that you'd never ride again. Three years, three years later, he's like, I, I need back on it. Sorry about that, folks. Believe it or not... My GoPro is overheated. It's scorching to, to to touch. So change cameras. It's hot. Right, we're back in the room. Uh, right, where were we?
1: Oh yeah. You're gonna
0: want me to remember what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean. It- We'll just do a hard. It'll be a hard cut in that one. You know why we've done the hard yeah. cut, folks. So, uh, I think the last question we started was with John, official Mister Fish. He said, "You've been through tough times after the crash. Um, did you ever doubt you'd get back on two wheels?" Excuse me, pardon. Ah, uh, yeah. So I was. I think I was
1: saying that. You. You. <laughs> things happen in life, and. Facing your fears. Okay, I grew up riding horses. I was really lucky to be able to be around horses as a kid. And I always remember, you would fall off, you get back on. You know, you don't fear it. You fall off the horse, you get back on the horse. And you keep going. And I think I take that approach with with other things in life. And while I didn't have motorbikes at the time of the accident, um, I was never not going to get back bicycling. Cycling. Cycling even. (laughs) Cycling. You know, and and the the motorbikes were natural. However, I have to say, I was a horrific passenger for about three years. Hmm. I would scream randomly whenever a car came from from the the right side, which was instant back to the accident. And my poor husband would have like jumps out of his skin as we're driving along because I would just freak out in the car.
0: Phantom breaking I
1: was better. oh gosh yeah yeah I was exactly the all the time yep, yep. <laughs> but what was what was interesting is that I was better when I was in control. Hmm. So if I was driving, then I was more comfortable because I had control of the vehicle and what was going on. Um, but I also actively avoided situations where I was gonna be out of my control. so I wouldn't go I didn't go in taxis if I if I didn't have to um wouldn't voluntarily go in someone else's car unless i trusted them but what i didn't realize i didn't know that at the time it was only through you know talking and having therapy which you know mental health awareness it's okay to be not okay Mm. and i can't emphasize that enough i had help helping me through the accident and getting over it and it does help Mm. but it's painful you know it's it's hard to talk about things that are uncomfortable and hurt but it can really be beneficial anyway hashtag mental health i think it's really really no
0: absolutely 100
1: um and so it wasn't until that process that i was able to reflect and realize how actively i was avoiding situations because i didn't feel comfortable in them Mm. um and I mean, the moment I could get back cycling, I got back on that bike. I'm not going to lie. I didn't put it off because I was scared. I wanted to cycle again. I wanted to feel the burn in my legs, the you know, the, the saving of petrol, the not sitting in traffic, the getting to work, having done your gym workout without even having done anything in your day. I wanted all of that. Yeah. But, man, I had tears on so many of, of my rides where a car – I mean, as as a bike bike list, what is my language?
0: (laughs) What are you drinking? Uh,
1: Yeah. I'm on a a cider now. It's obviously a strong one, eh? Um, As a cyclist, unfortunately, society does treat you like the, you know, the not allowed person on the road, or Mm. you're somehow inferior because you don't pay your road tax, which actually is a missions tax, right? Um, and so you do get pushed against the curb and mm. treated like you're not meant to be there. And yeah. every time you uh, go out on a bike, generally there will normally be some kind of encounter that will give me a flashback to the accident. Yeah. Um, but I've just got stronger at dealing with that. Like, it, it's OK to have those moments and it's OK if you need to pull over and have a little moment to process it and, and carry on going. And um, I actually think having the Cardo Intercoms back when we first started riding was a really helpful part in my journey on the bike. Mm. Uh, so for anybody out there is a little bit nervous about being on the road, intercoms with someone you trust is a very good way to make you feel not alone on the road. Okay. You've got the safety factor of four eyes. You know, you can talk and communicate, yeah, you can yeah, warn yeah. each other, you know, do you see that buggy up there? Have you seen the dog? uh car coming on the right you can be each other's as eyes Um and you can also be there chatting mm. you know I've had moments where someone's pulled out on me and I just wanted the, the earth to eat me up and take me off the bike what on earth am I doing on a motorbike like I nearly died I still hurt from that accident and mm. I'm out here on a motorbike but you know Rocky Monsters in the helmet being like don't worry deep breaths we can pull over if you want to you're okay you're okay and that's it was really helpful, I think. Yeah. Um, I love how far away I get from the question. I don't
0: even know what the question was again. <laughs> do, you, do you know, genuinely, that's what I love about about this sort of media, That like podcasts. It's, it's conversation, isn't it? And I, I love,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like, I'm a big Joe Rogan fanboy, and I, they, they call it, you know, going down the, is it the rabbit hole or the rabbit warrant? And I, I love that because that's just what a conversation is, isn't it? You start off with, in yeah. one direction. See where it takes you. Uh, and I love that this gives you the opportunity. to spend three hours talking utter shit, but it's 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 shit that a lot of people probably think, well, do think about and they do contemplate. And, you know, the feedback you get off of people is like, oh, God, I'm glad you brought that up and I do that, I do this. So don't worry about it. Just, we just chat. Um, no, it's interesting. now, I know what you're saying about the whole mental health awareness as well is that I... I'll put my hand up. I used to think when you heard about depression, when you heard about all that, I used to think that's for the weak. It's for the weaker mind. It's not me. I'm I'm strong. I can deal with this. But I I really mm-hmm. and again I've never hidden it. I really struggled when I came back from a world trip. Really struggled and I didn't I didn't cope with it for about a year, year and a half, two years probably, where I was just lost, lost and and I I got in a bad place and it, it was only finding like the overland event the hub event all these different little events where you get collectively people people who've been in that scene people who've been away and done these amazing trips and they're all together and you all sit down and you all start talking like talking is the key isn't it it's sharing the experiences yeah. and real well for me anyway realizing that oh I'm not the only one I'm other people are going through this and, and, okay, how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with this? Do you ever feel like this? And and it's totally true, isn't it? Talk. Just, if you're feeling that way, talk to someone. Drop me a line. Drop Vanessa a line. Just, hope you don't yeah. mind me saying that, but just drop Definitely. someone a line. Just, I, I lost a good mate quite recently and um, it was through mental health. And you just think, if you just reached out, you know, just reach out and... You never know what might happen, eh? It's just yeah. I never I never go that bad, but, but it's it's horrible to think people get to that stage where they think that's my only answer, it's my only way out here. So yeah, you're not yeah, alone folks. I think sometimes
1: reach out. Yeah, reach out and, and the person that you reach out to isn't mm. necessarily the person that you might think it should be. Mm. The closest person in your life might not be the person that you feel like you can open up to. Mm. I feel, I'm very lucky that with my husband, I can talk to him about absolutely anything. Yeah. Poor guy. Um, <laughs> but I can. <laughs> well,
0: I'm saying with my wife, she's she's a special person. Yeah, you can open up to them.
1: But actually, in, in some of the the, the moments in my, my journey from the accident, the person that I've spoken to at various points has, has almost surprised me sometimes, that hmm. sometimes it's someone that you would least expect, and it could just be the, you know, the lovely chat with... A stranger on social media that brightens up your day
0: absolutely
1: Um, yeah my my inbox is always there so anybody always here
0: i'm i'm sure you're probably the same as me but it's it's the it's the feedback you get from from stranger strangers really effectively you know people that follow you on social media some people reach out to you don't they and and they tell you what they're going through and how your you know your your story or your video, how it's impacted on them and how it's helped in certain ways. And you just think, mm. okay now well, that was never in my mind when I created that and I published it. But to know that you're having such a a positive effect on 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 people is is very humbling, isn't it? But it, it really does make yeah. you think Oh man, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing this because it's having an effect, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's something of this. Yeah. It's, it's an aspect of this whole social media life that, like, we now share with everybody. Is, it's not something I ever contemplated before. It's, uh, it's something that's just sort of hit me after. Well, what's happened's happened, and it's, yeah, I, I, I like it. I like to know that mm-hmm. you can give something back sounds corny but it's it's true
1: yeah i think for for, i think for you as well but um with with your background but with with my back with, with the accident it's it's amazing to think that i can do something or turn something so negative into something so positive yeah and if i can help other people with the battles that they're facing through the learnings and what I've gone through, that makes everything I've gone through so worthwhile. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm helping other people. Yeah. And I get so much energy from that. I love it when people message me and share their stories and chat. And
0: Yeah, yeah me too. It's great. Me it's
1: a really nice environment. I feel absolutely. very lucky.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's weird because this, like, I'll probably no, I probably won't actually because my community's my community's very like-minded same as me we tend to you say it how you see it and there's never offence caused you know if if you mean offence you'll say it to somebody's face so the term pink and fluffy is not meant like in any derogatory manner but I never used to be pink and fluffy do you know what I mean for me it was just like I kept my feelings to myself, you just crack on and you get on with it, but I've definitely found the older I've got and the more you go through, I, was like, I, I don't know, I just, I've i I've, I've, I've become a hippie. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm definitely someone that's much more open to like alternative thinking, alternative ways, much more in touch with their, their emotions than I used I never used to be like that, it was just get on with it, crack on. Fuck up and get on with it. That that was what I used to be like. But you know, you were saying about talking with complete random strangers. It's it's funny. My old job in the old bill, I used to be in diplomatic protection, so we used to do like number ten houses of parliament, all the embassies, consulates, all that sort of stuff around London. And it's generally it's it's stag duty. So you're you're on a generally you're on a fixed post with one other. officer, police officer, we had generally had guns and you'd just be stood there for anywhere from an hour to two hours, maybe even three hours occasionally. So you talk about everything and anything everything and anything and sometimes it can be from somebody from a different base and a different team so you might never have met these people before and you'd be amazed at how open two roughy-toffy gun coppers can be just stood there talking about Everything and anything you can think of, and it was it was weird. it's like you find yourself talking about everything we've chatted about you'll find yourself chatting chatting about and you know never in a million years would you consider talking about a lot of these things with your mates or your family, but just because it's
2: mm.
0: random punter there with you you'll chat away with them, yeah, <laughs> so you've got your own counseling on post, getting paid for it <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> Right, oh. <laughs> let's let's get back on track with questions. Uh, Jacques Dino Wood, I think that's how you say. It. Yeah, Jack Dino Wood. My better half comments that the biking scene from the outside seems, uh, God, my, my pronunciation, misogynistic. It's not something I've ever experienced, but I think it would be good to hear a first-hand opinion. I'd like to buy her a woman-only training day to introduce her to two wheels in the hope that it's more comf- a more comfortable environment, but is that misogynistic all help advice would be appreciated so is the biking community misogynistic do you think it's like anti-woman derogatory towards women i'm assuming that's what misogynistic means
1: yeah i'm taking the same I, interpretation I, I, I think it is yeah um i think The reality is, and I'm someone that comes from a background of different extreme sports, Mm -hmm. is that a lot of these more extreme out there kind of things tend to be more male dominated Mm -hmm. than, I don't know whether it comes down to, you know, the something in our male, female genes, guys tend to, there just tends to be more guys doing them. I don't think being male dominated necessarily means that it's anti-women. I think for some women that just makes it feel more intimidated. Yeah. I because agree. they might be the only woman racing at Valor's Extreme, which I was. Yep. Um, but I think that there are some incredibly supportive guys out there. You'll always get the odd absolute D head to not swear who swear, you know wants to go really it. past you. <laughs> wants to do a wheelie past you, rooster shit in your face. I like how I can say the S-word, but not the D-word. And just, you know, they'll see a ponytail and they'll have to overtake you, even if it means they fall off at the next corner because Mm. they can't actually keep the pace up or they... There's always those egos. But you get that in every single walk of life. I think my best advice for a boyfriend partner trying to get a girl into... Motorcycling is to remove the laddiness from it and have some dedicated time with them. A training day is definitely a really nice idea if they're game with it because they're going to be in a very controlled, safe environment with someone who can teach them all the basics and make sure that they're comfortable. Trials riding, I think, is a really good place to start because it is so fundamental on the skill levels that you can then progress and get on any bike. And if you look at any of the top hard enduro riders for example nearly every single one of them started as trials because it's it's the balance it's the clutch control um it's the slow handling and that is the foundation for everything else when you get all of those right the speed and everything else tends to come from my experience um and so i think that is a very friendly way to get girls riding and i also find that the trials riding scene is unbelievably friendly supportive welcoming motocross can be a little bit more elbowy if that's the right term yeah. Um, yeah and i think trials is just quite a nice safe environment but i think the key is that if they're wanting to take it slow and go easy give the time into it so the way i kind of look at it is if this is someone that you want to spend your life with having a slow snowboarding and skiing is another is a really good parallel okay so say you want to get your partner into skiing you want to go on a skiing holiday and disappear off and do all the blacks and the reds and all of this kind of stuff and leave the girlfriend or the boyfriend back at the bottom of the slopes doing the baby stuff but actually what you probably want to do is dedicate that holiday to getting them enjoying it and doing Mm -hmm. it and coach them and teach them and then the next holiday and the next holiday after that, yeah. you know, it's like short term Invest long some term. time. Yeah, yeah. Invest some time. Exactly. Invest some time and help them into it. Make it fun for them. If you put them way outside of their comfort zone, okay, if you do that to me, I'll love it. But a lot of people don't. And if you mm. throw them outside of the comfort zone, it can be really terrifying.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, There's something that, I've been asked this question before. Well, not me personally. I had Kate Ralph on, username Kate. She's on Instagram as yeah. well. Um, yeah, Kate came on and um, really good, really uh, entertaining chat. And obviously she had a lot of questions about women's points of view on various things. And we discussed, we discussed something similar to this. Women only, like Kate's track focused. She loves riding the track. Women only track days. And I said and she actually also agreed women only track days sort of annoy me because I think to myself I I've done a few track days but I'm shitting it when I turn up I'm nervous I'm nervous when I turn up because there's people you know there's people spanking the ass off of me no problem on the track and and, you know, I feel intimidated, but you just get on with it. You know what I mean? It's just like, crack on and get on. So when I see the women-only track days, I'm like, hang on a minute. Surely it should just be a novice, you know, a proper, a genuine, proper introductory day. That's what you should have for people who are never done it before. They want to have a little taster for it. And if you've got any experience of it before, you don't qualify. Just, just. Yeah. That, is that not a better way of getting people into the sport just saying, it's a novice day. This is an introductory day. In you come. You know, and anything goes, everyone sh- everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's shitting it. Because whether you're male or female, you're going to be the same. People are just going to be pooing themselves. <laughs> pooing themselves. Do, do you know? I mean, it's, it's yeah, like well, even... I, go, so go
1: on. I, I have to say, I'm not into women's only things. I, I don't feel like it's a comfortable environment. I like the company of males. I enjoy the growth that you get from being around people that are considerably better than you. And yeah. at, at a women's track day, you're still going to get really awesome riders because there mm. are some incredible female oh, riders. Um, but I, I love going out. But like if we take hard enduro, going out with a group of guys who are absolutely nails and make it look like I can barely even ride, but that pushes me. Yeah. They they can see where you are. They know where they can push you, where they can't. They can throw tips in and help you out. The best way to progress is to ride with people better than you. If you ride with people the same or lower, th- there's no elevation. Mm. Um, and I'm, yes, I personally am not a fan of women-only things. I think if, we suddenly started saying it's a men-only thing. People would start going, "Well, well why can't the yeah. women go? That's not yeah. fair."
0: The double standards I is, I think, what gets yeah. People. You've got to go
1: by the level, and if you're mm. novices, let's get some novices together. I totally agree with
0: you there. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the whole the whole race thing and the sex thing. Take that out of it. Just take that out of it and just put it on ability and what type of person, novice, yeah. advanced, buff. Everyone's happy then, aren't they? And then you're not creating a divide. Yeah. So. Yeah. crack on yeah,
1: yeah you just might need to do like an ego test to get rid of some of the idiot guys oh
0: god yeah oh absolutely yeah but, but i
1: mean the ego guys are as obnoxious to the beginner males as they are to the beginner females really although i do feel like the ponytail sticking out of your helmet to some guys is like the carrot to the donkey as far as almost taking you out to get past you yeah and I've experienced, yeah, I've been full on like battered into a bush before, like full on crash where I was like, oh my God, am I actually okay? Mm. Just because that guy couldn't yeah. tolerate the fact that there was a girl out there. Um, yeah. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway.
0: no, I'd 100%, I'd you 100% get, that in get that. Yeah, yeah uh, of course you do. Yeah, competitive nature in some people is just ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. I right. actually um, have
1: a, a fun, a fun story from my cycling days. So back when on. I used to do the the mountain biking, I used to go to Afan in South Wales quite a lot, where um, it's downhill mountain biking. And back then, I was doing 85 miles a week cycling as standard, just doing my commute. So I was really, really fit. And Afan is a really, a, quite a long single track ascent. And I always remember I've got a pink mountain bike. <laughs> When we were trying to find me a mountain bike, my one condition was it can't be pink. Right. But back then, when we got it, which was probably nine years ago, there weren't so many, you know, small, lightweight female frames. So I got what we found secondhand on eBay. Anyway, so I'd there be there pedaling away, going up the single track, and people, you know, guys would look over their shoulder and see a girl on a pink mountain bike in like mountain (laughs) boots, not proper, not proper cycling kit, and would they let me pass? And they would actually get themselves to the point, this happened at least, I don't know, probably four or five times in, yeah. in my memory, where they'd get themselves to the point that they were going to have a heart attack just <laughs> to not let the girl go past. And I just think, you know, in modern times, girls are allowed to be out here rocking it and being fit yeah. as well, you know.
0: Like a bitch.
1: Oh my goodness. Look, you've got a Thanks. beer delivery.
0: So you told you, my wife's a special woman. Thank you. Yeah, she's brought me another beer. <laughs> Although, in the same sentence, you just say, "Oh my God, you're a sweaty pig, so uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> no i get I get that i i I understand what you're saying there, but then i've I've experienced that on the track when just other people and I'm assuming they're blokes, I'm assuming they're blokes, but other people are just get they get this. A bit between the teeth, I've got to overtake you, and then I've had it when I'm on a like I'll take my GS to the to the track occasionally, and people do not nice. want to be overtaken by a GS. So it's like in the corners where the GS can can battle with like other novice riders, then
2: yeah.
0: people won't they won't give up they won't let you by because it's like that's a GS you're not you're not coming by and you're like oh come on, now obviously in the straights they go but. <laughs>
1: It was actually in the Alps on the Harley. It was brilliant riding. So, I mean, my, my street bob. people think you can't put a Harley over. Mm. Freaking go on YouTube and watch some Harley riders. You can throw Harleys around corners. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they have some serious torque pulling out of those corners. Yep. Like, the power. And I've done... Um, like stage one, two upgrades, so can push on. Lifters. i mean, still done it myself on the Harley. So she, I reckon, she's about 115 brake horsepower now. Five, me She's she's powerful, and out of those corners when you've got these guys and their four leathers and on yeah, their, yeah, yeah. their sport bikes, <laughs> it's brilliant. Guys like, chuckles all the way.
0: i was saying, but <laughs> before I'd ever ridden a GS, my first proper experience of a GS that made me go, "Oh, hello," was I was out. Early early morning during the summer, I was out on my Thou and I was going through a wee village. So I was toddling along at sort of you know 30, 35 mile an hour, and this GS pulled up alongside me. And the geezer, the geezer had the adventure style, what's like a motocross lid actually with goggles, but he was wearing. You could see he had body armor on and a, like a Dennis the Menace red and black, excuse me, jumper over the top, jeans, what looked like rigger boots, you know the offshore work boots, and what looked like. <laughs> what looked like gardening gloves, you know, I just looked and I thought, it's not the standard GS sort of GS one-piece suit that they all wear, I thought, oh, that's interesting, and he just looked at me like that, nodded, and as we, as we approached the sort of end of the village, he just popped the GS up on the back wheel and sat and stared at me, and I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be fun, and as soon as we hit the Nationals, we went for it, and I battled with him, obviously the straights. I had him but every set of twisties he's right up there behind me and he's wheeling it all the time we end up coming up to some traffic lights and he he endowed it to the traffic lights I was just like wow that's pretty damn cool that and that that did change that changed my um, that changed my viewpoint of GS's so if you're that bloke I'm assuming you're a bloke maybe you're a lady if you're that person thank you because you've put me (laughs) down this path (laughs) Um, right let's get back on to questions Nick uh, Nicking Nutsford, my question: Pink Floyd or Bob Dylan, mm. or neither? Uh,
1: nah. What are you not, into? Them? Not really too bothered.
0: What music are you into?
1: Um, country is my my big one. I went See to university and yeah, I went to university in North Carolina for part of my undergraduate. And, oh wow! Yeah, fell in love with country.
0: Yeah, love it, love it. I don't know love much about country. it, but I just <gasps> love the songs.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Okay, you've got to go on YouTube (laughs) and search for Ryan Johnson, same boat. I'm going to speak to the camera, Ryan Johnson, same boat.
0: Ryan Johnson.
1: I'm in his music video. Are you? (laughs) Yes. He (laughs) sent me a link like yesterday. So, okay, it's lockdown. He is this quite new, upcoming country music star in America who I totally got a man crush on. Uh, Ryan, if you're watching this, you know it. It's fine. I've got I've got a crush. Your voice just does it for me. I love it. You've got amazing songs. Amazing I love you, lyrics. Rocky, Rocky Scott, Monster. You're my crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Rocky Monster. You can <laughs> probably hear me as well. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he's got um, this new song, Same Boat, that he released during lockdown. I wanted to do a video and the the lyrics of the song are all about the fact that you know generally in life we're in the same boat. It's quite it's quite a beautiful song actually. And so he put a post out saying, right, I want to make a music video and I want to see what everybody's up to. Hashtag tag me in your videos and I'm going to make a you know music video using everyone's stuff. So yeah, I'm it. like hashtag hashtag hashtag. <laughs> and yeah, you've got to watch it and count how many times I'm in it. I'm not going to give it away. But right, yeah, well do. he's got me um, doing all kinds of things, changing tyres, slacklining, uh, putting a tent up with a Harley, all kinds of stuff, all Brilliant.
0: lockdown fun. I'll have a look at that. Nice one. Yeah, I love, I, I do, I've got a thing <laughs> for country. I just, I just love the sound of the music and I, when I was in the States, I really had an affinity with the South. I loved the South. Mm. I'd never done the South before. I'd always done like, you know, your New Yorks and we got friends up in Boston and Florida and I'd always done that. But on my trip, I ended up in the South and spent a lot of time there. I loved it, loved Texas. I loved South Carolina, oh. North Carolina, all around there. And the roads all up around North Carolina and Tennessee. Fantastic. Oh. Tale of the Dragon. The
1: Parkway, oh, man. Mountains. Stunning. What did you do yeah. at uni one day then? I'll go back. So my undergrad was International Business Studies. I did mm. my second year, half of it in North Carolina at WCU, that was absolutely incredible yeah. I did my third year working in marketing and PR in the Bahamas because someone's <laughs> got to do it uh, and then I came back to the UK and did my Masters in Public Relations so, Jesus bit, of, bit all over the place huh? Yeah, and it was actually in the Bahamas that I got my very first motorbike was it? yeah, that's bah- actually a story if you wanted to hear
0: it yeah let's hear, let's go there let's hear it <laughs>
1: So I'm a student working in the Bahamas, and I'm, you know, like an intern, so money isn't exactly flush, but I needed a way to get around this remote island, Luthera in the Bahamas, and uh, mm. it's 130 miles long and like a mile wide, but I needed a way to get to the beaches and go spearfishing, um, and so I couldn't afford a car. I was like, well, maybe I'll get a motorbike. There wasn't a motorbike on the island, so that was hurdle number one, but I thought, you know, I can buy a motorbike. Never ridden a motorbike, but that wasn't a problem because other people ride bikes, right? It can't be that hard. Um, so I went online, did some research, and I ended up buying a Lifan 250 Enduro, which is basically like a 250 wannabe Honda Chinese thing. Okay. And I ordered it in from China. It came in. I had to pay 90% tax on it um, and get it registered, bring it in. But this is the thing it arrived in a box.
0: When you had to make it?
1: I was not mechanical back then. Like now I'd probably I'd be fine. But back then I was just like, I've got a bike in a box. What am I meant to do with a bike in a box? Thankfully, a bottle of rum, that's all it took, and the local bush mechanic had it all set up, told (laughs) me, you know, where the on was and what the twisty thing did, and before I knew it, I never I have no memories of learning to ride the motorbike. I just got on it. And I rode about, went down the sand tracks, went to the beaches, my spear for spear fishing, like strapped down the side of the bike, and then my <laughs> fins and snorkel on the back. And I buzzed around the island and became known as like the girl on the bike yeah, on, yeah. on the island because it was the only bike. Is that um, where the name comes from? No, no, that's just a coincidence that I've only right. acknowledged right then, actually.
0: <laughs> Is there a more interesting Squish. story behind the name? Because if not, that's a great, that's a great story for where the name comes from i
1: i think we're gonna make that the name no it was it was more that um i was the girl on the bike started i was bedbound after hip surgery Mm -hmm. and around i think it was around the time when i decided i wanted a bike it was short it might have been the surgery before that um and i was bedbound feeling really shit you know i hurt i i just needed something to focus on and i thought you know what why don't i start an instagram page and you know see if i can connect with other people and it started off with me just sharing posts about how i used to be you know that i used to kite surf and i used to snowboard and then i ran out of photos and i was like oh well i can't make any photos because i'm a little bit broken maybe i should just start being honest and so i started posting about you know real life the journey the up the downs and um Turns out it resonates with people because no one's lives is perfect. Nope. Everybody has battles, and um, I think you know it's almost like a little bit of reality among some of the shiny cells on Instagram. Yeah, definitely.
0: I think it's it's almost reassuring, isn't it? It's almost reassuring to see like, don't take it the wrong way, but a glamorous person like you when you go through shit times, and it's glamorous. well, come on you are you're a, you're a good looking woman and it's and it's it's Aww. sort of reassuring to to um to see that you know you have down days and you go through bad times and good times and i think yeah. I, I think that that is where for me social media comes to the fore is to is to share that sort of stuff i said it before with people um something i was told before i did my my world trip was in regards to filming, this guy said to me, he said, the times when you feel least like switching the camera on and talking to it, he said, that is the time when you need to turn the camera on because that is what people want to see. That's what people can um, associate with. They can... Uh, is it aff- affiliate? Is, it, is it, No. Is it affiliate the right word? Relate. Relate. relate That's, that'll to. do That's the word. Yeah. That's what people can relate to. They want to see that it's real life. It's not all just this is autumn, awesome. I'm living the dream. They want to see that, you know, you, you're shitting, you got a bad dose of the diarrhea, diarrhea or you're vomiting. And they want to see you're going through bad times because they do. And it makes you human, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's good. Good on you for for sharing the good and the bad. Definitely. Right. Another question. Gavin Fraser, 39. This is for Vanessa. Are, Uh, We've already covered this. Are you planning to do the Dakar rally in the future? If so, what would you do to prepare for it? Okay, so. Get
1: really, 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 really fit and do loads of navigation and get really, really, really fit. Loads of navigation. Maybe move to Saudi Arabia if it was still there and live out there for six months before it to get proper familiar with the the terrain. Yeah. Um, Get really, really, really fit and do loads of mental training. You know, Mm. try and break yourself in your training, so that when you then come to the main race, it doesn't break you quite as much.
0: Well, ideally, sorry, go on, go on, go on.
1: Yeah.
0: Ideally, so obviously you've got two classes, haven't you? You've got the, there's the main Dakar where you have the support team with you and everything. And you've got the Mali class where it's literally, you've got a box that you take with you and you have to do all your own spannering. You live in a tent. Which one would you go for?
1: The support. Mm. I think I've got to be realistic yeah. and I think you know getting well they say getting to the start line is the hardest part <laughs> mm. um <laughs> well, yeah well the, the amount of things you've got to do to qualify the amount of money yeah. you've got to raise to be able to yeah, yeah, get yourself yeah. into that position I, I can kind of see it and um I think I'd want to put myself through the most most probable chance of getting to the finish line and yeah, I think that. Uh, I don't need to be stupid about it, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, particularly with, I can guarantee, absolutely guarantee, that if I get to do the Dakar, I will be using a Physiolab physio lab icing pack on my hip every single night. I will need, you know, a lot of physical support to get my body to keep going mm-hmm. because I know... I mean, I'm a reconstructed person, you know. Mm.
0: Yeah, that... I've, see, I've seen that on, sorry to interrupt, I've seen that on your, your Instagram posts. You have that, this machine that, that effectively ices you. Like, how many times a day are you doing yeah. that?
1: For the first month post-surgery, it's six times a day for half an hour. So actually, oh, I'm overdue right now, but I'm going to, oh no, I don't know, i put my, my cold beer on it. <laughs> no, six times a day for half an hour uh, for the first month post-surgery. Wow. But it is game-changing as far as your recovery so inflammation inside a joint is very detrimental to to the healing process and the recovery and the ice from a bag of peas for example Mm -hmm. will only really do the surface of your skin yeah and the compression of a bag of peas to get it around your whole hip joint I mean I don't even know how many bags of peas you need Mm. Whereas the compression physio lab will apply and strap around the limb, the arm, the knee, the ankle, the shoulder, whatever it is you've had the, the surgery or the injury on. It's not necessarily just for surgery, the injury. It will compress and put an even pressure on that area and then pump the ice water around it. And the cooling goes right into the joint. So it's a much more intensive cooling and there's no risk of burns yeah so ice burns which you can get from peas so it's an incredible recovery device something i've used for the last three of my surgery i've had it and i know that my after my hip full hip reconstruction i was doing my physio i was making progress and every time i just tried to push that little bit further this was months after my surgery i just would take one step forwards five steps back one step forwards five steps back so i had the physio for a month and it smashed the chronic inflammation in my hip and I got back on the bike wow. and I completely put that down to
0: having the Physiolab. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's actually called Physiolab, is it? Physiolab,
1: yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, put, yeah. I'll pop
0: a link in the description as before, folks, so check that out if, it, if it's something you're looking at. And so what, it's like a, I assume it's like a Velcro band or something that, that will go round whatever the affected area is. Yeah,
1: there's different kind of, straps that are body shaped and you, know, you strap it on and then you fill a little container with ice and water and it pumps that round so my poor freezer at the moment it's on turbo because i'm <laughs> using probably i probably say five liters of ice a day gee maybe six Blimey. lots
0: of tupperware
1: tubs filled up that i just smashed
0: yeah i'll bet i'll bet Blimey. but if it's doing the job fantastic yeah good yeah right another question are you okay for time because we've been going yeah. for a while. yeah cool um yeah absolutely. i think we're coming a th- well actually i said i think we're coming to the end of the instagram ones we're not there's shed loads wow i didn't realize there was that many
1: okay i'm gonna i can i can try and be less blah 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 with my well, answers don't worry about it. well, you
0: know <laughs> we, we, just, we just chat we can always come back on if you enjoy it we can always come back on and we'll we'll do more questions another time um emin fleming Question for Vanessa: Do you think, <laughs> do you think you can teach Bruce how to ride in the dark? He claims he doesn't like it. <laughs> Vanessa was actually there My. when I did the off-roading. Well, you went off in another group, didn't you? Because I was shit.
1: <laughs> Wait, was that ride in the dark or
0: ride, riding the dark? You know, no, off-road, off-roading, basically.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. What do you call that? Riding
0: dark. R- riding in the dirt. Dirt.
1: Sorry. Oh, it's your accent. It's just the way oh. I speak, sorry. Yeah. Can
0: you say hello to the noise of cow makes again? Mm. <laughs> my, my, some of my mates I love at how work much that tickles me. Some of my mates at work used to get me to say there's a there's a an expression that, because being Scottish we roll our R's. You know, you, you, you roll the R's when you speak when you speak, and they used to get me to say I can't, I can't say it, so I have to say it really slowly. Purple, burglar, alarm. But if you, like, if you were English, you'd go purple burglar alarm. But but if you say it with me, when I roll my R's, if I say it, my tongue basically just ties itself in knots, and so they used to get me to say that. <laughs> what I had when I worked when I worked at Peckham, Nick Peckham Police Station. I used to get called into custody sometimes and they'd be like, Bruce, cell six or like cell two, whatever it is. What are they in for? You'd look and they'd be in for murder. I'd have to go murder, Sarge. And they'd be like, excellent. Off you go. So <laughs> it's like, cheers. Thanks very much. Murder. There's been a murder. Oh. Um, yeah. So Amen. Uh, I think I'm way, way beyond any help from Vanessa. <laughs>
1: No, I'm up for
0: the challenge. Let's do it. Shush! Don't say that. It'll 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 put back your Dakar your Dakar, um, your Dakar uh, what uh, what's the word what's the word? It'll put back your progress towards the Dakar about eight years. Don't so worry about it. it. It will be worth it to get <laughs> you off
1: riding
0: I've got to do. I do have to do it. I've got to do more. Let's of do
1: it. it. Sure. Let's do well,
0: it. I'm heading. I'll be heading back down to see Lyndon anyway at Toro. So um, if you're back down that way we'll do it sounds good Gavin Fraser 39 this is for you Bruce Uh, I was looking at your starting videos for the round the world trip have you ever thought of doing a new round the world DVD Um, actually there's a few people have asked me (laughs) DVD? yeah I know who's got a DVD these days (laughs) Um, there's a few people have actually asked because with the book as well the book's sold out so uh, a lot of people have asked about the book but it all comes down to economics, to be honest with you. The, the cost of doing another print run, I can't see how I'd ever sell enough books to offset. Sorry, you yeah, go. On.
1: You don't need to do a print run with books anymore. Well, I know. If I d- you do it via Amazon, self-publish.
2: Yeah.
1: They'll print it as people order.
0: I looked at that. Sorry, and- I ruined
1: it. You've no, got no, no, no excuse now. Here we go, everyone. I've ruined his excuse. <laughs> I've, Get I've the looked- book out.
0: I've looked at Amazon. I've looked at the Amazon self-publish, and the cost of one book to
2: print—that's
0: my copy of my book right there, right. So to to do a similar copy of this, so it's black and white text, and then at the end there's like twenty or thirty pages of of pictures. So to do that on Amazon would cost me—I think it was around fifty-four dollars a book.
1: What? Yeah. That doesn't sound plan- okay
0: cost me.
1: That's okay. how much it would cost me. I retract me. the whole statement.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in yeah, order so to...
1: I would end really up having a to charge...
0: Well, it's ridiculous. You know, I'd end up having to charge like $55 a book to make yeah. like $2 and it, it's just not worth it. So to do a print run, um, you know, my, my print run, I think for 500 books or 750 books cost me like two and a half, three grand to do. So you've got to... Obviously, you've got to recoup that initial investment, haven't you? And I just don't think I would sell that amount of books. DVD-wise, we're coming up for the 10-year anniversary in 2022. So October 2022 will be the 10-year anniversary of when it started.
1: Is that how long the beard's been growing for?
0: Well, no,
1: I think I've it's probably about six or
0: seven years now this has been growing I, I started growing this on my trip but I shaved it a few times and then I did I have trimmed it quite a few times up until about 2016 probably was the last time I gave it a proper trim so this is still wow. like four years but I think this is as long as it will get now but yeah I am I am thinking about maybe doing a 10 year anniversary re-edit either from the start the start of the trip or to celebrate the end of the trip. So it would either be 22 or 24, because I finished 2014. But yeah, I am thinking about it for some sort of... I like the idea. Series. Just, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, I don't know. And for, uh, Gavin's got another question for you. For Vanessa, would you ever think of a round-the-world adventure? And what bike would you use?
1: Gosh. Um...
0: You sound like you've done a lot of travelling anyway, but have you done much travelling on the bike?
1: Um, I, um, I don't really know how to answer this, actually. So I'd love to, but... I don't think I'd get bored, but the sort of terrain that I ultimately really want to be hitting, I'm so addicted to hard enduro. You couldn't go around the world. Because, you know, a little two-stroke engine, you'd be on the side of the road doing rebuilds every 35 mm. hours. I mean, it would be it would be ridiculous. I think I would love to do some big trips. So, like, when I was in Bolivia with no Road Adventures, we did two and a half weeks, and we explored the Bolivia and did some incredible riding and absolutely loved it. I loved every second of it, and I didn't want to get off the bike. But I like to be able to then just jump on a plane and, I don't know, go to Iceland or... Yeah go to Ukraine or come home and be in my own house and be in the garage and yeah, see yeah, my family that. and then disappear off again and kind of have the best of both worlds. Like, I'd love to do some mega trips and I've done some, like, awesome road trips. So, like, last summer with Tour 1, um rode from here down to Croatia, ferry over to Italy, back round 3,500 miles, and it was incredible. That was on Harley. Um But I don't know. I just... I, I don't think I could see me doing it because I like the variety. I like mm. mixing it up a bit, I suppose. And I also like, you know, I like seeing my family and friends at home as well.
0: Yeah. It's
1: a bit, Have of you... a bit of a dull answer, really. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's...
0: I think to to do a round-the-world trip in what most people assume is a round-the-world trip, where you start and then you, you come back to the same starting point X amount of time later, having travel the world. To do something like that, you have to be of a certain you have to be a certain type of person anyway who doesn't mind being away from loved ones for that length of time. It is a little bit it is a bit selfish because you are away from your loved ones for that. Even if you haven't got a boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other, whatever, you've still got family generally or you've got friends. There's people there who value you and you're still away and they're going to worry about you. Yeah. So it, it is, I think it is inherently a, a bit of a selfish thing to do, but not not in a bad way. I think nobody will ever, no one will ever think bad of you for doing something like that, but you have to want to do it. You know, you, you, you've you got yeah. to, it's like, like for you off-roading, you know, it's it's like riding off-road and enduro. It's, it's the very, it's the very pulse in your veins, isn't it? It's what you must do. And For me, for the world trip, it's what I had to do. It was just everything in life was focused on that, and I was doing it no matter what. It's I was doing that trip, so yeah. now I get asked a lot: Would you do another one? And I don't know. I would like to be on the road again, but I think I'm more along your mindset now. In that, I'd like to go and do a bit of that, do that, and then come back and have a bit of time at home doing a few things, and go away and doing another bit. I don't know if I don't know if I would do the whole. Head off and come back two years, five years, ten years later. Thing, I, I don't know. No, things might change in life. It, that I feel like I it's. So I, you, lo- I lost you there. You're frozen. Yeah, I think you're frozen oh, in a
1: really back. funny face right now. You're like. <laughs> frozen. Yeah, you have come back,
0: back now. Yeah, yeah, you're back to me now. Yeah, there yeah, you're back.
1: You had a good frozen <laughs> face, by the way. Good. Um, I think I think it probably comes down to like all or nothing. And with mm. life today, it there are so many motorcycle rental companies and things that they weren't 10 years ago or, or yeah. further back that actually don't have to do all or nothing anymore. You can, you know, have a normal life with a job and save up and go on an adventure, come back, go on another adventure and, and dabble and kind of make the most of all of it, but not having mm. to just travel on a motorbike, which I think that's kind of my approach at the moment. Yeah, definitely.
0: Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Ah, okay. Studali. There's one for you. For Vanessa, what have you not yet achieved on a motorbike that you'd love to?
1: Oh my goodness, everything. (laughs) I'm a beginner. (laughs) Everything. Um, I've never done a track day. I was meant to have one. Yeah, I know everyone says that face I was meant to have one with um with Ducati and one I think I was good it was at Silverstone was a birthday present um I was actually a birthday present five years ago but I've not been in a physical state to risk it until well Enduro took over okay um so yeah I want to do a chat day. that's a big one and I want to do Romaniacs that's a big Mm. one I'm also set to do Hellas in October now. It's been delayed. It was meant to be in May, but COVID's obviously set its toll. And
2: yeah. I'm
1: doing, meant to be doing Hellas with torque racing. Um, what have I not achieved on a motorbike? I I want to get to the point where I'm way more at one with that motorbike. So when I ride with people, like the the good riders, someone like Alad that I've ridden with at Wurndoo a whole load of times. He's, That's the Triumph uh, guy as, in Wales,
0: isn't it? Is that right? Is he trying um, from Wheels?
1: No, he's he's done the silver class at Romaniacs. Ah, right. He's he's not got a massive social media account or anything. Um, but he should because his riding is just incredible. And riding with him, I've learned so much. But you just watch him and you're like totally in awe. How are you doing that on a motorbike? Or even when you watch someone like Graham Jarvis, but I think Graeme oh. Jarvis is that next level, or Tony Bowe. It's that next level where you look at it and go, that's, "That's not even realistic." Like I can dream. Were you watching?
0: Were you watching <laughs> Graham Jarvis's Instagram during lockdown when he was just systematically destroying his garden?
1: And then he moved into the kitchen, maniac. Yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. Brilliant. Absolutely mad. Um, did you see any of Tony Bowe's stuff? He's the 20, I think he's 26 times world trials champion. He is someone to look up, but he did some insane trials riding in his like penthouse level apartment in Andorra. (laughs) He's someone that I've met and ridden with in Andorra actually. And he's on this trials bike. He gets out of bed and gets on the trials bike. And then he pretty much does his day on the bike. Wow! Like he goes down (laughs) his staircase he balances on the bathroom sink and cleans his teeth. I mean, it's the sort of next level riding that, that wow. there's, there's people that you look to for inspiration because it's like absolutely mind blowing, but it's not yeah. achievable inspiration, if that <laughs> makes any sense.
0: Yeah, yeah I get you. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Who is he called? Uh, what's, his, what's his name? Tony Bowe is the guy, Tony the, Bo, the world right. the world champion in trials. He's well worth looking up. I mean, he's got millions of of
0: followers and uh, you'll have you'll lose yourself watching him mental right next question Robbie 7302 for both of us your top I like these ones your top five dinner guests and why they get you thinking don't they gosh let's go top three because five's quite a few to think excuse me to think of
1: Top three. Okay,
2: Rocky Monster. Rocky Monster's
1: always going to be there. Yeah. He's my soul mate. I love him, and <laughs> I do. He's my partner in adventure. So he's
0: going to be there. Okay, you 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 do one. We'll we alternate, and it gives things. My time. wife. She's my partner in adventure. She's uh- my soul <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say that now. She'd batter oh, me if I didn't say her after you said that.
1: I've stitched
0: you up. I'm sorry. Obviously it would be my wife, obviously. Obviously. What's your number two? Oh,
1: number two. Uh, Oh, why is it such a hard question?
0: (laughs) Mine's slightly unfair because we've been asked this on another podcast and I stand (gasps) by the one of the ones I remember and that's Muhammad Ali I would love to have Muhammad Ali on to have a chat with him so that'll be my okay. number two now I've got to think of a number three you've got a number two to go
1: can I ask my husband? of course you can Call <laughs> a friend have to dinner. <laughs> call <laughs> a friend <laughs> I can see him in the house <laughs> that's a really awesome. mean way of calling him into this um okay here do i have i don't know this is awful <laughs> okay what the thing things is, that i'm like
0: you guarantee as soon as this finishes two people will pop into your head right. guarantee it
1: that's true Probably the funny people. I can't think of
0: anyone right now. My mind I just, has just gone like. I just, I just thought of kay. another one, and it's a bit like the question earlier on. I've got no idea where this came from. I do follow him, kay. but, but I just thought The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because I think, I this comes from Joe Rogan. This I think The Rock should be running for pe- president. If Trump can get in, then The Rock can get in. And the rock is a far nicer person. We can have rock versus Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger.
0: Well, Arnie doesn't qualify, does he? Because he's he was born in Austria, so he doesn't qualify. Because I reckon he would have got it years ago, but he can't because he's not a a US born and bred.
1: Arnie was someone that came to mind, um, but I just feel like we talk about the Terminator all night, but that'd be fine. As long as he came to dinner with no top on, I'd be all right with that.
0: <laughs> Definitely um, Arnie. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Legend of <laughs> okay, I'm just going to go for Arnie for my number two. Yep. But with a condition that he's got no top on. <laughs> We're not pieces um, of meat,
0: Vanessa. <laughs>
1: you're more than just a pretty face. You're a hot body too.
0: <laughs> oh, thanks very much.
1: <laughs> i feel like i need a female now to balance it out um oh, no
0: you don't don't worry
1: about it yeah i do I want a hot female who's going to come in a yeah bikini.
0: okay god oh, god yeah can i come
1: well you can be in <laughs> mom of four if you like
0: <laughs> right you're on
1: oh gosh i can't even think of women now um oh i know i've just got to think of her name
0: if she's on Instagram, I might know her. <laughs>
1: um, Do we like forward, fast forward this bit of video and put like a little <laughs> sand, you know, one of those sand timers of Depends. like? I've only got about, about six hours a... of SD card. <laughs> This is the hardest question of all of the deep questions. This is the hardest question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because whoever you invite, you're gonna be stuck with for about three or four hours. Like it could you, be awful.
0: Yeah, you don't wanna appear like a right dick, do you, by picking somebody that people are like, What why do you want them there?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um
0: Right, we'll do a countdown clock. Didn't
1: work. Oh wow! Try again. It's not gonna work. Okay, I'm gonna call a friend.
0: Right, do it.
1: I can't see him though.
0: Do you want us to come back to it?
1: He might. He might hear me we we'll right. I think he might be upstairs which means he
0: won't hear it. okay come on Vanessa okay let's do dinner guest I'll make a little note oh. of it dinner guest
1: um
0: right we'll try and remember that and we'll come back to it
1: wait I feel like I can see no he... oh there you go oh <whistles> uh, he went out to the bins he's just come back into the house of the bins <laughs> wait can I see him Oh, yeah he heard me okay he's going to hate me for this so we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> yeah. then we've got to pick someone okay I'm going to have to give him a headphone or he won't be able to hear you
0: who was your first one okay. again?
1: Arnie oh <laughs> okay Rocky Ransons is here okay gonna share, share my seat with me we've got a, we're playing friends. you doing? Playing a friend oh, you wow, right?
0: Okay.
1: hey t <laughs>
0: all right okay, how are you You're all right
1: oh we can't hear you take all this right. one and then that will go in your left <laughs> right
0: ear how you doing alex okay, you're right now pal. you
1: phone a friend yeah, good, thank you.
0: <laughs> right go on then <laughs>
1: okay so i've got to answer this is the hardest question of all of them i've got three people to invite for dinner and who would they be at the moment i've got Arnold Schwarzenegger, but only if he's topless so <laughs> <Very> random <laughs> Who would be want for dinner? Oh, you! Oh, Alex, he's number one. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. You oh, are no. number one. You are actually number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> are number one. So you are number one, and then we've got Arnold Schwarzenegger topless. Okay, you're going to be topless too. Okay. And then I think we need a girl to balance it out. Absolutely. This is the hardest. Now he's paying attention. Look, look,
0: All of a sudden, Alex <laughs> eyes are woke.
1: Oh right, okay. <laughs> who who would make good topic? I'm trying to think of someone who makes really good conversation. Yeah, he's likely to entertain us over, over dinner. <gasps> I know. What, what about Meg's Brat? Oh yeah, yeah. she'd be pretty entertaining. She did yeah. Arnie a run. <gasps> Arnie. Meg's Brat versus Arnie in an arm okay. wrestle. Bosh. Done. Okay.
0: Ch- Ch- right? John, yeah, Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Rocky Monster, by the way. You, you guys have obviously met but to everybody else.
0: We did. This yeah, is I'm, my,
1: I'm, my better half.
0: We we've heard a lot about you, Alex, all through all through this chat. So, um, people, Rocky Monster, you finally put a face <laughs> to the name. <laughs> the, the, the chat better be positive because I'm cooking a dinner right now. <laughs> oh, excellent! What, what, what's for tea? Uh,
1: we've got the barbecue going on. We've got some some pork belly slow cooking on the barbecue. Happy days! I told you he's a keeper. What, what you picked you keep well. What, what's, what
0: are you having for dinner? At, at this present moment in time, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's about it at the moment. I think I've got freezer surprise when I get downstairs. So um, we'll see. <laughs>
1: well, uh, You've got the foundation right, anyway. Yeah. yeah
0: that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every day is a Friday for podcasts, so we'll see. I don't yeah, know yet.
1: So. Right, I'll cool. leave you guys to it. I don't want to burn anything. Cool. Say, bud. ta Cool. We've got our three. Excellent. That was- I'm really sorry for how painful that was, everybody.
0: Um, that's a really hard question. That <laughs> took about 25 minutes, people. <laughs> right. Uh, having, having us, have, oh, have no say. I was looking at it thinking, what is that? Have no say. For Vanessa, my wife is five foot one and wants to start riding, but is always saying that her lack of height is holding her back. Where would be a good place for her to okay. start and her fears over-exaggerated? Oh, no, sorry. Where, where would be a good place for her to start? And are her fears over-exaggerated? I suspect she's not the only okay. one being intimidated by heavy machinery. Excuse
2: me.
1: Yeah, okay. I think there's a couple of answers to this. The first one is that a heavy bike doesn't mean you are holding the weight of that bike. I mm-hmm. am a 62 kilo girl and I ride a 320 kilo motorbike. But at Boy. no point am I carrying that bike You know, they're really well-balanced. Modern motorbikes don't feel as heavy as they actually are. The weight's distributed um, and you're not, you know, a Harley, hopefully, touch wood, I'm never gonna be picking it up. (laughs) And if you do, you get someone to help you, right? Mm -hmm. So the weight of the bike, I don't think is something that you should really think too much about. However, if that is a big thing, obviously I've got my off-road vein, to everything that I do. And I really think for road riding, off-road riding is incredible for your confidence, your mm. skill, and your riding ability. Things like being comfortable with your wheels spinning, your back yeah. wheel sliding out, uh, slipping, sliding, all of the stuff that you get off-road, when you then have it in a situation where you're on the road, where you suddenly lose traction, your back wheels n- next to you, it's not such a terrifying thing because you've dealt oh, yeah. with it in a safe, safer environment. Um, so I honestly would say start with some off-road riding. And you're, the massive advantage is that you're on a bike that is okay to be dropped. So there's no fear of dropping the bike and hurting it. Mm. You can throw them and do backflips on them, not with you on it, like cartwheel them out. And they just take it. So I'd say getting into, again, the trials is the one that I really lead to. It's the foundation of all biking. It's, it's very slow, safe, controlled, skill-based, incredibly satisfying. And then you step your way up. You know, mm. no one, Rome wasn't built in a day. And, okay, other than Graham Jarvis, n- no one was born on a motorbike, you know. <laughs> we all have to learn and start somewhere. So it's just about taking it slow and making it easy. As far as height... Yeah, that's tricky, because when you are shorter, it's difficult when you can't reach the bri- reach the yeah. ground. So there are things that you can do as far as lowering bikes, getting scalloped seats, things like that, to enable you to get a little bit lower. So do some research into you know good options for, for the shorter side. But then there's also skills that you can do that make it so that you don't need to touch the ground in the same way. Mm-hmm. And that balance and slow manoeuvring that you get I guess, again, off-road is the easiest way to learn it because I'm not going to start trying to do a truck stand on my Harley, no chance. But, you know, on the trials bike, I can stand stationary on my trials bike for 15 minutes and not not put my feet down, completely stationary.
0: 15 Uh, minutes? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. (laughs) I, I learned that because after my, I think it was my last hip surgery, I was, the only bike time I could get was on a stationary bike. I wasn't allowed the risk of even turning the engine on. So I just would come out to the garage and and balance on the bike. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, okay, I can hold it for 15 minutes now. Bloody hell. And that's a skill that helps me every time I ride the bike. So it was rehab yeah. that has, you know, progressed my riding, which is really cool. Um, and then I think the, the final thing is just not to be scared about it. At the end of the day, if you drop your bike as long as you're not being silly and going crazy dropping a bike because you're short and you know dropping it in the petrol station or anything like that it's okay <laughs> it happens to the best of us mm-hmm. and don't be scared of that and i think it's like the first week of you the first day snowboarding or skiing i think once you've had your first fall you kind of ride better from then on because then you're reminded that actually it's all right to fall off it's okay but no. you know That's from an off-road stunt. You know, if you've got a really, really shiny bike with lovely polished chrome and stuff. So,
0: what would you say then? If you're going to go down that route of trials or off-roading, what what is a good bike to start with? Is there such thing as an ideal first bike for a beginner doing that, like off-road? Yeah,
1: definitely. If you were to start, jump on. So, I've got a Husqvarna TE 250i. And if you were to jump on a, you know, it's a high-performance race bike, you jump on that, yes, you could learn to ride off-road on that bike, but you're going to have a much harder learning curve because that bike isn't going to be friendly to you. It's aggressive. You can flip that throttle and it will do a backflip. It's a a high-performance bike. So having something that's a little bit more gentle and friendly to take you in is going to mean, yes, you might have to change bikes a couple of times on your journey, but you'll have an easier an easier learning curve. And your progress
0: Um, will be quicker as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, don't just suddenly go out and buy a massive bike. It's not all about the torque and the power and the size that's ego stuff. Mm. Something that is going to hold your hand and help you have a good time, build your confidence and develop your skills. Um, And so if you were to take trials, I started on a one-two-five beta and don't be um, lulled into the one-two-five being only a one-two-five on a trials bike. That is serious power. That bike is four kilograms heavier than me. So it's a 60, I think it's 66 kilos, that that bike, uh, with a one-two-five, two-stroke engine in it. Like, you know, (laughs) it's plenty of power. (laughs)
0: yeah just a bit yeah I'll just just put it in comparison I've just taken out, I've just had a Sinus 125 Sinus Terrain I've just had one of them for Mm -hmm. I think a a week I had it and that was 150 kilograms and it's a 125cc, you're talking about someone that's less than half its weight wow
1: and a two stroke
0: yeah oh god of course which is like equivalent to a 250 I suppose four stroke isn't it more or less
1: yeah, it's it's very difficult to do yeah. direct comparisons. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sinus no is someone that amazed me. I had the sinus uh, Blade X and the Apache, right. and I did a day green laning on them. They are great options for first time. If you want something to buzz around town, but then like, ooh, that little green lay looks fun. I had such a hoot on that bike. It was amazing. There's a YouTube well, video, actually, of me riding it.
0: I'm actually. I've actually got the Apache coming, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be doing some <laughs> off-road on that. So by the time please you either listen,
1: please can I come with you? Please can you, I come with you? You're
0: more than welcome. Oh, I'm, I'm wait. I'm, I'm probably. I'm hopefully doing it with Mr. Fish. Oh no, Go hang on. on. Well,
1: I'm. I'm promising things. I'm breaking right now. I'm post Oh well, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> I'm like. I'm doing rehab and barely walking. So yeah.
0: Well, you'll be oh. able to watch it anyway on YouTube. So by the time you either listen to this or watch this. I'll probably have already done it, but I am taking the Sinus Apache off-road. Ugh. We'll see.
1: <laughs> the bit that limited me, I took it out on a really, really, really wet, muddy day, and I mm. had the the kind of standard tyres. They put the the most off-roadiest tyres possible. Yeah, I was slipping and sliding all over the place, <laughs> and it was such a hoot. But that bike, it's low, it's light, it. You know, if you wobble and you know wobble and pull on the power, it's not yeah. going to put you on your face. It was a lovely learner's bike.
2: Yeah, and I was impressed so comfortable with the terrain.
1: Town. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I was three impressed and a half with brand As well, is it? Okay. Really, it's Something like that. Don't quote me on that price. It's ridiculously cheap. It's the sort of price where you go, wow. Yeah, yeah that's a really good first bike because you, you don't have to worry about it in the same way. Like a, a um, the TE, it's like nine and a
0: half grand. Wow, is it? Mm. Bloody yeah. hell! Yeah, I know. I know the terrain. The one two five cc sinister terrain. That's two and a half grand, but it's like it's like eleven eleven point two. I think it is brake horsepower. <laughs> so I'm I'm just over twenty stone. So you imagine <laughs> what that was like with me on it. <laughs> just like, but I enjoyed it. I genuinely had. <laughs> a load of fun riding it I had a great time yeah put a smile on my mm. face right this has been well we're now at nearly 2 hours 40 but we've had a couple of pee breaks and we had about 8 hours waiting for your dinner guests So, um, but we'll make I this know, the they, last how were qu-
1: they so late
0: <laughs> but we'll, we'll make this one the last question because it's the last okay. of the Instagram ones but if you're okay. more than welcome to come back on I would love to have you back on And we'll we'll do more questions another time. Excuse me. So this one is from Helen Goshwin. And she says, an inspiration in many ways. Uh, Oh, If you don't want to talk about this, we can edit it out, okay? But I'm sure you are, because I've seen you post about it. With your vitiligo. Is it vitiligo? Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Yeah, vitiligo. But you've got a Scottish accent, so you might say, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Scottish way. It might sound like a cow mooing
0: or something by the time you said it. With your vitiligo, you describe one that looks like a dinosaur. So my question is, what is your favourite dinosaur?
1: Oh, I love that Velociraptor all the way. Don't even have to think about it. Love Velociraptors. So it comes from Velociraptor. Yeah. Oh my god, they're little animals and they're like really clever and they'll creep up on you and tap on the window. You know Jurassic Park? Not the first one? That's
0: the little things that were evil, horrible little things.
1: Yeah, <laughs> That's your favorite are. dinosaur. Oh my God, hell yeah. They are wow. just amazing. If, when I was a kid, I actually, with my cousin, this is when I, when I was living away from my mum and dad. So I was living with my cousin. We used to play dinosaurs. And he would be the, the Velociraptor and then I'd get to ride the Velociraptor and we'd run around the house attacking things.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Explains a lot. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> I wonder if I can show you. It's not a very good light to show you the Velociraptor. I guess I need to shut up here. Well, it's a, it's a T-Rex. He's here. He's called Ra.
0: T-Rex is my one. That's, that's my well. favourite.
1: Can you see him? Have I got the angle right? He's there. That's, it, which, that's your knuckle. Oh, alright, oh the shape. Alright. Oh, yeah, I was looking at your rings thinking, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, my rings are pretty cool as well. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's yeah. try it again, just in case I got it wrong. Maybe, like, wait, rah, he's there. That's his nose.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> your favourite.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, rah. T Rex
0: oh, is my one. Go on.
1: I have a motorbike helmet as well.
0: Have you? Mm-hmm. Dare we ask so where that the, is? Okay,
1: okay. I, for anyone who doesn't know what Vita Ligo is, um, it was actually World Vitiligo Day on That's the expert, 25th yeah. of July. And mm-hmm. so I, I have Vitiligo. It's a skin condition that is purely cosmetic in <clears throat> the pigmentation of the skin being lost. So you see the white patches here? If yep. you can see them. So that is where the skin has loses its color and becomes white. I have it all over my body in patches. It's all over my face as well. I choose to camouflage my face and have a more normal looking face. Um, Mm -hmm. I use a product called Xanderm, which is just life changing as far as my VitaLigo coverage goes. Um, But on my body, wild and free, like you can see it all under my arms, like it's all over me. But I have one that is shaped like a motorbike helmet. Um, So I've got to, I don't know how to get this on the camera, but it's it's there. Oh yeah, Um, Yeah, there is. I've got to check that it's on like the main camera. I hope hopefully that will it. If not, <laughs> if I've missed
0: that, I'll send you a photo. Just tell me when you
1: edit it. I it. <laughs> well, I've, but I can see it,
0: helmet. it. Genuinely, is I can see it on this one. So if it doesn't show up on your camera, I'll have it on this camera because I've uh, you rec- I record. this as a backup. But, uh, yeah, it genuinely does look like a motorbike helmet, doesn't it? <laughs> it's
1: destiny, right?
0: So I mean, I take it you, Vitalygo, is that been from birth, or is that something that I? I Pardon my ignorance, but I don't know much no, about it. Well, nothing about it. No,
1: it's fine. Most people don't know about it until it crosses their paths. Um mm-hmm. and most people will have seen it on a random person in the street and thought, you know, it was birthmarks or you know, loads of people think I've put my sunscreen on really badly or I've burnt <laughs> or I've got scars or um but it's this one. Oh, my ring is caught in my hair. So oh, oh dear, headphones not very to this at this Dog
0: Doggone Pete Tong.
1: Oh God. So here, this one, yep. this is the first patch I got, but it was about a quarter of that size. And I got that patch when I was 13. Um, wow. At the time, my mum and the medical team decided not to tell me that it was vitiligo, and it was just a halo mole, which it was a halo mole, uh, just because I was about to go through GCSEs and stuff. And a few years yeah. later, when it then started spreading you know, we we tackled the fact that it's vitiligo because I think the main thing with vitiligo that I would want to emphasize to people is that it's physical but it doesn't have any implications physically other than, you know, a high risk of skin cancer. Mm. The implications of it are psychological right, totally. because yeah, yeah. people stare, people look, people ask questions, people think that you've got a disease, is it contagious? And I did a post for World Vita Ligo Day, um, you know, standing proud of the fact that I've I've got it all over my body, Mm. trying to just help encourage every single mum and dad out there to tell their children about it because it's one of, just one of a whole handful of conditions that we just need to have a little bit more acceptance that, you know, people are different and these Mm -hmm. don't make me ugly or contagious or anything like that you know we've got to find beauty in our difference, differences mm-hmm. uh, and i think if all children grew up with a little bit more uh, understanding that differences are okay and it's okay to be different it's okay for someone else to be different on mm-hmm. a whole heap of levels i think the world would be you know a nicer place and i'm quite lucky that i've really learned to love my skin in a in a unique way and feel confident with it Um, And I want to use that to help other people, I suppose, because we all face battles, whether it's a, you know, a scar or a birthmark or acne or eczema, you know, people have differences, I suppose.
0: What a beautiful, what a beautiful ending. That that is perfect, really. Helen, thank you very much (laughs) for the question. Brilliant. What more can we, what more can you say about that? It's just, um, you summed it up to a T, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. Nothing else I can say about that, Vanessa. Brilliant. Don't change. Um, right. Well, that's us all done, the Instagram questions. Um, I reckon we'll we'll call it there for this one. And if you're willing to come on again at another point, then we'll do that.
1: Perfect. That sounds awesome. I've really enjoyed it. I've loved all the questions people have sent in. Cool, Thanks me for, too. Thanks like, for taking the time to, to reply to you. That's really cool. Some hard ones. Yeah. Mainly the dinner question one. don't know how awful I was at that. <laughs>
0: Um. jeez seriously that that was about folks that genuinely was about 20 minutes just covering that one question <laughs> but we got there in the end didn't we, we
2: did. um,
0: right before before we go uh i know you have countless people who support you companies that support you along the way is there anyone you want to give a shout out to feel free
1: oh thank you that's really kind no i guess the the eyes that are looking behind are probably <laughs> quite an important one so um i work with Tang tools quite a lot having mm. a you know a garage full of motorbikes requires a lot of maintenance that i get really hands-on with with my husband as well and yeah Teng are an incredible sponsor um do you want me to list some sort of the
0: honestly this is your time Actually, you tell me
1: you know what i i want to use this to to take a moment for anyone who has aches and pains with something that I've discovered in my recovery that's really helped me and that is active collagen and it sounds like I'm just doing some kind of marketing pitch I'm not I do make a small commission you know we've all got to cover our bills and um, absolutely yeah I get that it's the way the world goes around but nothing is free um, in this life is it yeah I'm a genuine i will never stop taking it the difference it's made for my body through my recovery is mind-blowing so if you have any kind of aches or pains pre-existing injuries arthritis tendonitis ligaments bone issues achilles knee yeah. pains achy shoulders you know bad skin complexion uh, it, it's So the body is made up, one third of the protein in our bodies is, is collagen. And from the age of 20, we start to lose
2: yeah. or
1: make less of the collagen as a natural form of protein in our body. So from that age, the amount of collagen that we have in our body that we really actually kind of need to keep everything strong and fit and smooth working starts to decrease. And so by taking the active collagen, it's replacing that and it it just helps so much. So for me, my hip massively. I know when the surgeon went back in for this fifth time, he was blown away by how strong everything was looking in there. The only thing I can put it down to is taking the octave collagen. I yeah. used to have an achy left knee as a result of the compensation from the hips.
2: Yeah. Don't yeah. have that
1: anymore. I used to have creaky ankles every morning and I'd have to almost like work them out in the morning. I don't get that I've got anymore. That. From my rugby yeah, so- days,
0: I've I broke both ankles, so
1: yeah, oh, I get that. Like playing rugby,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in like, geez, even before I was twenty, my, my sort of rugby days wow. were before I was twenty, really. And yeah, I've broke both both my ankles. Yeah.
1: Wow. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> well, I need to send you the link to it as well. So if if it sounds like it might be of interest to you, drop me a message, and I will send you a link. It gives you a discount, and it you know gives me a little bit of a. Commission, but it's something Therefore. that if I can help people through what I've discovered in my recovery, it just makes it all so much worthwhile. And it's one of those mm. things that I will never live without now. Um, I want it in my body. Uh, Rocky Monster takes it as well.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I want to spread the word on that, basically.
0: Vanessa if, if you if you're happy doing it if you send me the link I'll put it in yeah. the show notes on the podcast and on the YouTube vid and then people Great. if if that's something that's even going to interest you use the link get your stuff and obviously that'll that'll feed back to Vanessa as well Perfect. that's okay thank with you, you. Beautiful. yeah
1: absolutely that's lovely thank you cool anyone else nah it's fine are you sure yeah all good
0: cool Alright well um, I've loved it I've, re- I've genuinely enjoyed it I've l- said it to you before I I love your positive approach to life it's really refreshing to see social media being used for what it should be used for and spreading that positivity and a positive message so don't change, keep doing what you're doing and um, thank you for coming on and hopefully we'll, we'll, I might see you down at Toro again, you never know, we'll do the off-roading
1: hope so thank you so much for having me on it's been awesome pleasure
0: absolute pleasure and then um, all the best with the recovery i'll be following it
1: thank you cool
0: folks hope you've enjoyed this one uh, i know i have if there's anything in what we've chatted about if you want some more information either drop me a line or drop vanessa a line through um probably instagram i'll leave some links down below there make sure you give her a follow Anyway, as usual, folks, uh, I think we're pretty much out of what's been going on. I think I'll not mention that word, but I think we're pretty much almost out of it. So um, keep doing your thing. Keep doing what you're doing. Look after those that you love. But most importantly, most importantly, get on out there and live your life. Woo-ha!